Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 67 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Andrew McGahan joined, as always, by my beautiful, beautiful co-host all the way from County Limerick. It's Sean Sheehan, ladies and gentlemen. Word up. How are you? Fresh off the plane I am. Fresh as a daisy. Don't stop. How are you feeling? Tired? Sleepy? Very, very tired and sleepy. I'm not going to over-exaggerate it. I, uh, probably the tiredest that I've ever been in my life. Are you trying to send me video here on Skype? Oh, you no, were about sorry. to. It, it was about no. to turn on. I, was, um, I, I did. I muted myself because I was coughing, but I accidentally clicked the video on set. Disaster. Off to a great start. I would, um, I would say the best part of it was waking up this morning at half nine in a complete and utter frustration and confusion. Like, first of all, I don't even know how I got up to bed. Um, I had all of my clothes still on me. I was lying on top of the bed and I had no packing done. And I had been saying to Dave just before we went to bed, oh, well, the lab before I remember, before I fell asleep on the sofa, I was like, okay, I'm going to go up and pack my bag now so I'm not frustrated in the morning trying to pack it on short notice. No, you, don't, you don't drink either, do you? No, I do not. How, how are you? How do you not remember going to bed and stuff? Uh, I always fall asleep. I, I can fall asleep anywhere. I don't know if you've uh, witnessed Dave Fogarty's Snapchats or over the last couple of uh, weeks or listened to Peter Carroll talk about me travel anywhere. I uh, I will sleep anywhere. I'd sleep standing up if I could. I'd say I fell asleep about four times on the uh, on the train on the first day with Dave. I'm the exact opposite. What? I I never sleep anywhere except unless I, like unless I'm like on my couch at home or something or on in bed. That's the only place I sleep. Like when I was in college, like I could be thirty six hours without sleep, and I could be sitting on the couch and I wouldn't fall asleep. I'd stay awake. No, well, like you and Graham are the same people. You know, so like when Graham got there the first night, he had been up for something like two days straight, I think it was, he said. And we were like, what? That made it like bar a couple of hours sleep in in between. He's like, yeah, probably going to have a really good sleep. Was up like seven hours later, fresh to Daisy. That's all you need. Yeah, it makes no sense to me, though. Like for me, I can sleep anywhere. Even if it's just a nap, I enjoy just lying down and relaxing. I think a lot of it's down to commuting for so long. Do you reckon um, Graham took any supplements or anything to help him get through staying awake that long? Well, if he wasn't, Sean, he should have been. And we know just the place he could have got them from. Where? OROSNutrition.com Friends and sponsors of the Severe MMA podcast, ORS Nutrition, for all of your sporting good needs. Like, literally, they have you covered from top to bottom. If you are a weightlifter just looking to get a little bigger, if you're another type of weightlifter that's cutting coming into this season, you know, for the competitions that are coming up, you can go on to orsnutrition.com. You can search by exactly what you're looking for. They will tell you the products recommended that you need. Um, if you're an athlete for recovery for different things, GEA, soccer, rugby, martial arts, Everything is covered. Cycling is on it as well. They will tell you the products you need for your recovery, for your pre-workout, um, pre-workout, post-workout, loads of different types of proteins, uh, whey and plant-based. And I have to say, Sean, a shout-out, because I got a little taster. I did, okay? Yeah. I, I dipped, I was going to say dipped my wick, but I didn't, because that, that's <laughs> disgusting. I... <laughs> 
<laughs> I know not to use any of your fucking protein powder from now on. Anyway. So I use okay, they're they're called BCAA's. Okay, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch it to you. There is a lot of science behind it. People, uh, the to people like me, that has to be explained to. Basically, when you're working out, the body will break down the BCAAs in order to provide more energy to the working muscles in your body if your supply of carbohydrates is insufficient. Okay? Amino acid job, is it? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you put them in a shaker, bit of lemon, bit of ice, and you can get them in different flavors. This one is pretty fruity. I'm not going to lie. It is very, very tasty to be able to... You know when you drink things and you're like, oh... I'm drinking it because I kind of have to drink it, like a, yeah. a kale green smoothie or something like that. This mm. is actually quite refreshing. Um, makes no difference. You just pop them in your tra- you just pop it in your drink while uh, while you're training. It dissolves very very nicely and uh, refreshes the whole way through. So so far, the lads at ROS are getting two thumbs up for me. A couple of days into training, tonight was my first day back training. Actually, uh, in a couple of days, myself and Dave didn't get to go over there in Holland, but. So two thumbs up so far, but Sean, it gets much better. If you want, tell tell the good folk of the Severe MMA podcast how they can cash in on this offer. Well, for your first order with ROS Nutrition, you can get twenty five percent off. What? Twenty five percent quarter? Two five? Yeah, that's it. Twenty five. Just use the promo code Severe MMA. Put that in when you're in the on the cart at the end for your order. The cart. Click the button. The cart. 25% off. If you order 200 euro worth of stuff, that's 150 euro you only have to pay for it. If you order 100 euro worth of stuff, that's stuff, it's only 75. Sean has a degree in math, he knows these things. He does know these things. Excellent. And Boom. final, final shout out for them actually. See when you're adding all that stuff up in the cart, they yeah. will they'll tell you if you get to a certain price, they'll throw something in for free. So they'll say, okay, you need to get to this price, we recommend this, what's been in your uh, cart already. Throw this on and we'll throw in a shaker. Loads of different deals like that. Get on it. Um, anyway, Sean, who are we talking about? Graham, Graham. was it? Graham, yeah. Okay, back to Graham. Graham yeah. what, uh, any more questions? Yeah, so going back to it originally, I have a bad habit of falling asleep on sofas or on... on I was going to say settees, but settees are sofas as well. Armchairs. Thing, yeah. Armchairs. So um, we had probably the worst furniture in the world. And by the way... You did you get the video of the Airbnb tour? Did I send that to you? No, I don't think so. Okay, maybe what? I didn't take it, but it is. <laughs> it was the worst house in the was world. It? it was. It was fine. Okay, but my opinion on Rotterdam is not a good one, and it's because the area that we were staying in. All right. Yeah. Now the, the area left a lot to be uh, left a lot to be desired. Central Rotterdam, you know, down near the Fighters Hotel, down near the water, beautiful. Would stay there very contently. Round, we were not welcome in the neighbourhood. You know, we stuck out like a sore thumb. Bunch of Irish lads, Airbnb, massive flights of stairs. Like, definitely illegal. The steps that they were trying to make you get up to your bedrooms. Dave powered into the apartment the first day to claim the best house, to claim the best bedroom. He got it. Myself, Pizzi and Graham were upstairs in the attic. So to get up from the front door to our bedrooms, you'd go up one set of stairs, two set of stairs, three set of stairs. Fuck that. All, like, with barely any foot space. And the beds were rock solid. Oh, I'd love that now. The sofa... No, no, no. The sofas were... Left a lot to be desired. 
You're the, a picky bastard, aren't you? Well, look, there was no sink in the bathroom. There was a sink in the in the kitchen. Yeah. If you wanted to go for a shit in the in the in the bathroom, yeah. and you like to sprawl out your legs, actually, if you like your legs anywhere other than on the rim of the toilet bowl, <laughs> you had to close the door to the sitting room and open the door from the bathroom. That's what Petey did. He barricaded us into the into the sitting room because he had his legs fully extended. Now, the alternative was to just turn left and sit on the toilet sideways. Then your feet would be in the shower. Uh, do you want to hear a good... Actually, go on. Do you want to finish a good toilet story? Tell so, no, like, this is... This is I'm just... You, you're saying I'm crying poverty, Sean. I tell yeah. you, it was horrific. Horrific conditions. That's, that's insane. But I we, was we, we, we made Airbnb. it through it. I was thinking of getting an Airbnb... Uh, for Bama, there's and throw a there's house one, party. There's one right alongside the tree arena. It's like ninety five euro for a night. Is that uh, is that bad or good? That's good. Like it's good, yeah. But it's I don't know. It's, I need to get a okay, who can get me free into the Gibson Hotel. I need a free room in the Gibson Hotel. How am I going to get one of them? Maybe we have a listener of the podcast that works in the Gibson that could sort you yeah. out. Get me a free, yeah. If we do, free, get in sure. touch. Like Sean Sheehan needs us free, uh, free yeah. complimentary. Well, first of all, all expenses covered. Second of all, yeah. probably a couple of people on hand at all times. I, you know, that'd be okay. I won't be there for long. Like, like if we, if I don't get this free room to give some time, like myself and Patrick are gonna have to drive down home again at like one a.m. Fucking four hours of a drive home. No, we don't want that. Like, don't we don't so want that. Like, Why would you room? do that? Why would you do that to exactly. the Sheehan brothers? Exactly. I have uh, any more questions about Rotterdam. I have to admit, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed finally, once again, being able to go to an airport and not do the transatlantic crap. Uh, yeah. Not it's that, not that long. Like, How long did it take? It took yeah. a, only a short hop skip and a jump across a couple of a couple of countries sean is what it was and uh it was about an hour and 20 minutes sweet but like nice weather the fights for the most part were actually quite entertaining the food was outstanding in the media uh, in the media center yeah what did you have the food outside of all of that left a lot to be desired um i had an incident the lads thought i was downstairs having a bit of a domestic on the phone or something like that. Yeah. I just couldn't get out of the bathroom. The oh. the uh, the prawns. Oh, never trust prawns. prawns. I would prawns. Well, you see, Graham got a steak. Now you've you've heard about Graham ordering food before. So oh, <laughs> I am normally mortified every time. This this is Peter Carroll's words now because I he was the one that said it and I just agreed with him. It was the one time you didn't feel embarrassed by Graham demanding like everything to be taken back because they were completely like the worst staff in the world. Like yeah. we went in there at twenty past ten. Like, can we get food? Yeah, but the kitchen closes at eleven. They came out to us. Sorry, the kitchen is closed at eleven, so we're gonna have to bring your starters and your main courses at the same time. And then that didn't happen. Like the lads had their mains done before the starters even came out. Yeah, it was, and so I'm conv- I'm convinced I got food poisoning from that, from the dodgy prawns. Probably spat in your food. Let's be honest. Well, they definitely did after Graham sent the burger back for being raw, but aside from that, was <laughs> where Graham was uh, ordering food, and he no fruit. Know. Somewhere 
he made he some made some big deal or he I was in the Gibson actually now that we talk about the Gibson and he got like he wouldn't eat the rice or something he would he left something behind then he was I don't eat that fucking shit I was like why you ordered like chicken curry and rice oh, I don't want rice something like that he's a weirdo Graham you know him. You should put more. We need more pictures of Graham up around the internet. That's what we need. Online, actually. That's a good idea. We actually, we were doing it. We were taking pictures of Graham throughout the week and he just, he wasn't really feeling it, you know? Taking taking Snapchats of him and he just didn't like it. He doesn't understand the Snapchat game. No. Like, if you see him now at Bama, just come up to him and start taking pictures. He loved that. No, no. He actually mentioned that People have been asking him for pictures recently. Oh, really? Yeah, and he hates oh, it. So definitely do it. Getting a big fucking head. Definitely do it. A hundred percent do it. I plan on making him big uh, waves with the Snapchat now above Obama. I'm going to be walk around the cage and stuff under the oh, I think you'll. Uh, I definitely think you'll take over. Yeah, I'm going to bring my iPad or my iPod, whatever it's called. You're not. Um, Sign into Snapchat and that. You're not here to take part, like. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's definitely... About, go on. What about this... Uh, what about this fucking heatwave we were due to have this week? Yeah, did it happen? Some, I don't know. I was away. Some joke No. I woke up... What day is today? Monday. I woke up Saturday and it was like... So we're supposed to be really good weather. Myself barbecue on Friday. We're talking about... Look, we'll have a barbecue now tomorrow. We got a new barbecue last year now. Unreal barbecue. So we were like... Okay, we'll have barbecue Saturday. Woke up. Went out around noon on Saturday. You know. Get up early to, to have a barbecue. Went, looked outside, absolutely pissing out the heavens, rain. Heat was supposed to be a heat wave, some joke. I was very mad. I haven't had, we couldn't have one yesterday or today either. Weather's too bad. It was lovely in, uh, it was lovely in Rotterdam. That's very Rotterdam. sunny. Sure, a bastard. Or anywhere. Liverpool <laughs> or Rome. Or Rome. Um, yeah. I was just, this is a, I don't want to say a disappointingly lack of good crack start of podcast because I am, but it just, it's stuck quite close to the topics that we will discuss yeah. later on in the show. You know, I feel like we've, we've let someone down out there that wanted an obscure, like, home improvement Tim Allen yeah, reference. But look, there's always next week. Tune back I'll in next week. What do you think of fucking doing a podcast now with a, an internationally recognised football journalist as well? You. Do you think of that? Yeah. It, uh, it hasn't really changed my life much for better or for no. worse, but maybe you could tell me more about it and I'll, and I'll let you know. Or yeah. don't tell me because I know. Tell the fine people of the Severe yeah. MA podcast Check what you're at. I wrote, an article. I wrote an article about Leicester City and 4-4 fucking 2 that we were actually talking about a bit last week. It's up on Balls.ie. My good friend's over at Balls.ie. I got it up there, so have a read of it. It's a pinned to my page. They're um, they're sound cool. lads. There, yeah, balls grab less. We've we've spoken about balls even before, haven't we? Yes, they're nice guys. They're not like Joe Shower cunts and stuff like them. Ah no, Sean, sound. come on, <laughs> Joe only pricks. Look, I yeah, cannot have you talking about other people like that in a public forum. Sorry. Okay, I take know, it back. I do you know why? Look, I didn't say you had to retract it. I'm just saying I can't have your feet. Was to, <laughs> from here on, I like, lessons learned. I like, do you know? Like, look, I'll let the first one slide. Do you know? And I'll let the second one slide as well because I'm fond of you. But a third one, then we'll be having a, an, official, an official meeting, a hearing. Okay. People, people like Joe Bashan, though, because people hate him. Let's be honest. Let's be, all right, we're sorry. Leave Let's your comments below. <laughs> Let's get into the fights. 
Sean, uh, I went to yes. Rotterdam and you'll never guess what happened next. Kadaharla. I went to UFC Rotterdam. Do you know who didn't go to UFC Rotterdam, actually? Fucking Graham. Didn't he? He went to a pub or something, didn't he? He didn't even get in. Well, he uh, he went with Ireland's most dangerous man. Did, oh, with, um, what's his name? Owen. Owen Colgan. Yes. Uh, he'd not even buy a ticket, though. Would he not just go? Um, You see, I think oh. none of them had tickets. That's it, because Graham wasn't media this time. So he was yeah. uh, he was over chilling. And uh, I um, conveniently went to a bar with no Wi-Fi. To be able to post the post the web to post the videos as they were being done. I was texting him on WhatsApp. He definitely had Wi-Fi. No, yeah, he was on three G on WhatsApp. See, but I very enough. convenient, I thought. But I had already agreed to it earlier that morning, so I was like, right, fair enough. We'll you tried make... to get me to do it then as well. Well, okay. look, I just tried to get you to do one because I ran a little bit behind. That was all. Ever everything was me though. Everything was me. It was you. I, sh- I show that I can effectively run a website on. Uh, well, effectively oh. probably isn't the right word. Yeah. Yeah, do you did well enough. I, I I heard your voice just start to do the. <laughs> you did better than anyone could have expected. Let's be honest. All right. Well then, fair enough. I'll take that. I will take that. Come here. What do you think of the fights? Because we can actually talk about them a little bit now this week. Yeah, because uh, you've seen them, is that yeah, right? Yeah, because I witnessed them. Because <laughs> you were there. I was at Toronto's actually thinking. You, actually, I actually didn't see that much. Of, like, I'm not saying I didn't see that much of them, but because your head is buried either in a computer or interviewing people in scrums, like... Yeah, it's hard to see them. Yeah, well, I noticed that as well at UFC Dublin. Like, it's... Like, if you're there covering events, like, it's not just free and you're actually, like, they're doing shit. Like, well, maybe not me as much because I want done be doing interviews and stuff, but you and guys like that. But, yeah, so, you're doing right. But I was actually thinking about it as well. You know, when you're... You're actually way better watching events when you're at home. Like, if you actually want to see the intricacies of the fight, you're better off actually not going. Like, But it's good to go for the atmosphere and stuff. The atmosphere is great and you kind of, you know... The kind of the blood and torch of it, and the you know the the violence, as they like to say. Even though I don't really like to say that, but you know it's good f- to go for that to see. You know to see, you know it's at its bare bones kind of thing. But like this, this all kind of came from the Gunnar Nelson mount take that I was absolutely fascinated with. That I know you loved as well, but that's where it all came from. But I suppose we will talk about him first. Um, what did what did you think of his performance? Unbelievable. And for all of the talk about how Tumanov, like, largely, un- I got I got a sense from talk from the now. Don't want to use a pun lost in translation here, but having to speak to him through a translator at the weekend, um, or beforehand when we were doing the interviews during the week, I asked like, if it does hit the ground, what is he? What is he thinking? Like, how well prepared has he been in his training or in maybe previous things that we haven't seen? And the coach ended up saying that had he had done quite a bit of grappling from amateur MMA fights, even though his pro fights didn't really show much of it. So I all I was thinking of in my head is like, okay, you're basing and being confident of amateur MMA fights that you've grappled in. You know, just one little, like, you always, from talking to fighters during the week, I think you pick up on a couple of little things. Do you know what I mean? Now, whether they can actually go through with it and do it, what they're saying that they're going to do at the weekend, is a completely separate issue altogether. But in this case, I thought, okay, there is something behind this here. May if this goes to the ground, it's not going to be a, it's not going to be as tough of a challenge as people maybe thought. 
Yeah, like, it, it's funny as well with Gunnar Nelson because he's had two fights, right, where he's... where he is... Showing up is the wrong word, but that's kind of... Okay, he said two fights where he was, so we'll say, showing up on the ground and showing up on the on the feet. And I, when I say showing up, I mean beaten by someone who was way better on the night. I don't mean they're, you know, he's bad in either of those places, right? <clears throat> but because that has happened, people think he's been shown up. People think he's bad in those places. But he's actually a very good striker, and he's <laughs> unbelievable on the ground. And it's kind—it's kind of weird in it because, you're, you know, you're thinking before fights, and it's like, ah, gross. Like, could he get outstruck like he did against Rick Story? Like, could he get beat on the ground like he did against Damian Maya? Okay, maybe Damian Maya's a little bit different because everyone knows who good, how good Damian Maya is. But you know, he's had problems kind of getting guys to the ground before. Um, was it Zach Cummins, and he eventually got onto the ground, but other guys like that, and even I mentioned it in my um, in my preview that you know his wrestling isn't the best in the world. He uses a lot of trips and stuff, and I thought he was oh going to be very hard. God, actually, sorry, um, finish your point. I have a funny one to bring up. I thought it was going to be hard for him to get trips against Tumanov because he's showed very good takedown defense in the past. But the one trip he got him down with, I think Gartam Lavov described it as Fedor esque, and it really was. It was very, very good. I think he's improved uh, at that an awful lot. Like, his wrestling still isn't the best in the world, but, you know, it's good when he gets a hold of a guy. And I think trips are actually his best thing, and he's improving with him uh, an awful lot. But once he gets to the ground, he's just unbelievable. Go on. Now, I think one of the biggest issues jiu-jitsu guys face pure jiu-jitsu guys have is wrestling because you're not taught how to wrestle you don't get taught how to wrestle now aside from that i had some guy on twitter try to claim to me that Gunnar nelson spent 18 months in america training with wrestlers extensively um and that's when he took time away from fighting before 2012 which not saying that it isn't true but for someone on the internet to say this happened this happened and i'm completely right I thought, like, surely Gunner, surely John, surely any one of his teammates or people linked to him in the countless interviews I've done with all of those people would have mentioned that Gunnar Nelson once spent 18 months training with high-level freestyle wrestlers and that he was never able to incorporate into his MMA game. Like, please, get out, walk away, and don't even start this conversation. He has had massive trouble, I think, with his timing, like... Gunnar Nelson always seemed like he was very good on two levels, but his in-between was exposed, whether it was in the story fight, whether it was in the Maya fight. Gunnar, his striking wasn't good enough against Maya on the feet to be able to close the distance to instigate any effective takedowns or trips of his own. Story, he wasn't quick enough on his feet. He couldn't get out of the second and third gear in his hands, and Story was able to move and be able to beat him that way too. But if you put Gunnar Nelson in a singular environment, like if you put him against someone who'll box and strike at his pace, or if you put him at someone who will grapple with him at his pace, then he will win that fight every single time. It was when, as I said in that uh, video that I put out this morning, Gunnar could be much better than someone in the past, i.e., in my opinion, Rick Story, but lose the fight because Rick's story had higher gears, more determination, would be able to work hard, commit harder. Pretty much a lot of the things that we praise Cahill Pendred for throughout his years of fighting as being able to just get the job fucking done no matter what. Gunnar never had that. And I think that's fair enough to say 
that at the weekend, he's been able to show, as you said, that trip was absolutely beautiful and it was set up through strikes. It was set up now that he's been able to find his range between using strikes to set up takedowns and using strikes to actually hurt people. I felt like he didn't look... He looked pretty good in the stand-up. Do you know what I mean? He looked very good in the stand-up against Tumanov. Tumanov creased him with a body shot that just uh, like left massive marks on Gunnar. And I think that was an area that Tumanov was afraid to expo- exploit because he knew himself what would happen when it went to the ground. Tumanov expended a lot of energy in that first round trying to get out of the mount from Gunny. I think that definitely played into the down, into his finish in the second. I think he just blew his gasket. He knew himself that he wasn't going to be up to par maybe on a grappling point of view. Was reluctant because I think one of the kicks Gunner caught and nearly tripped him as well. So maybe he was reluctant to overcommit to those sort of strikes again. But Gunner just played it very, very calm, very cool. Knew when there was no, there was no pointless movements from Gunner. You know there was no dead weight or bad energy. He has spoke about energy before affecting him in the past. It just seemed like it all went in his way on Sunday. Yeah, like before the fights, myself and Pizza were talking about it, and Pizza was mentioning how he didn't kind of seem the same in interviews. You know, he seemed a bit maybe browned off or a bit peeved at people in interviews, and we kind of both simultaneously said, you know, that might be a bad thing. You know, and I think it kind of turned out that way because when he came out. He came out, as you said there, uh, maybe a little bit more aggressive than he usually is, but no, with no wasted injury or anything. But he came out and he meant business. You could tell from the very start he really meant business. Like we spoke last week and I, said, I wrote my preview as well, and everyone, it's the best thing. Tumanov's left hook, that's his best shot, and you know, that's the money shot. Gunnar Nelson was beating him to the left hook. Like he was landing better left hooks than Tumanov was, and he, he did it by, he was changing Santa's an awful lot, which he normally does, but he. He fought out of the orthodox way more than he usually would in kind of a more of a boxing way, you know. He stood in the pocket and, and took away Tumanov's boxing from him, which was absolutely brilliant. Like he did, he did very well. But he when Tumanov started getting get into his rhythm, which we also spoke about last week, Gunnar Nelson took that away by going back to his karate things, by dancing out to the side, using his lateral movement. Um but he went forward a lot. You know, he got in, in Tumanov's face. If that fight had stayed in defeat for three rounds, I think Gunnar Nelson probably would have won, which is the mark of how good he was actually doing. Now, Tumanov had his moments. He hit him with a beautiful kick to the body, caught him with a good few left hooks. But I think, you know, I think anyone who's watching that fight would say Gunnar Nelson definitely won the first round anyway. He was winning the second round as well, although Tumanov was coming into a little bit. But I think he would have won it. Um, just phenomenal performance. Um, you know, there's this thing Gunnar Nelson and Conor McGregor always say, you know, they're kind of the yin to the yang, you know. McGregor says he needs to be brought down a little bit by Gunnar and Gunnar says he needs to be brought up a little by, by, by McGregor. And I don't know, maybe, you know, he was with him in Iceland up until last week and stuff and maybe the thing like that, but maybe he just, he realised that himself and kind of changed his attitude or changed his mentality towards coming into the fight, you know. He, you know, as I said, myself and Pete were talking about. It. He's a little bit agitated. You know, he had, he had a, you know, something that coming into that fight after the Maya fight. He had something to prove. You know, people were talking, writing, kind of writing him off. And I think, you know, if, if he can come into that, like all these fights, he's dangerous against anyone. Um, he's like, he's striking, as I said, they're very good against one of the best strikers in the division, in my opinion. Um, Tumanov actually called himself the best striker at welterweight, or the best striker in the UFC during the week, which. Um, he obviously isn't like, but he is a very good one, uh, and and going to one there. But underground, just finished. Just, 
unbelievable. That uh, you explain it more, but that like I, I was kind of I was watching it with uh, my father, and I was kind of explaining to him. It's like look look at the way Tumalov is holding just before the, the, the choke, before just before he got into the mount. I was like explaining to him how Tumalov is holding his hip and stopping him, you know, from passing, stopping him from getting into the mount. And the way Gunnar Nelson just moved his body one way, got his hand out from his hip and under him, and then went straight into the mount. And you could hear John Cavanaugh post the video this, eve- or this morning, just saying, okay, take the mount now, and Gunnar Nelson went straight into the mount, and it was over for then. Like, you, once Gunnar Nelson gets you there, once you give up your back, that's, you know, that's it. But that, I thought that move itself, that one four or five seconds, made just shows why Gunnar Nelson is unbelievable. Say it. Who's the fuck? Um, you could nearly say Nelson has been in search of McGregor for quite a while within his own uh, within his own fighting style. As you said, the yin and yang and bringing it out, but even his shot selection, do you know what I mean? And you went on about it there more than uh, capably enough because I do not talk about striking too much. But Gunnar Nelson, as you take one thing from that, Sean, if it had went for the three rounds, I think Gunnar would have won that in a stand-up fight as well. When it yeah. comes to the ground, though, what it was was Tumanov's left hand. His left elbow was against the against the mat. He had his left hand against Gunnar's right hip, and he was using that to try and stop Gunnar from coming down. They were in sort of a, I think it was half guard, maybe? A reverse half guard sort of position. Gunnar switched his hips, and it's just the, the most, like Tommy Quinn, Irish MMA fighter, he has liquid hips. But Gunnar, it just, he's just a muscle. You know, he was able to move so fluidly. I've, I've, I know the move that he did, but I can't imagine. The reason that he did it, Sean, was because the frame was stopping Gunnar from coming down. Yeah. And some people will then just put pressure on the wrist and say, okay, you're going to break your wrist. But what Gunnar did was just pretty much move his hip out to the side and then rip, add a moved it out to the side and then brought his hip back in a little bit lower down so it was just attacking forearm as opposed to a frame so it was just moving the arm out of the way back stepped and then as soon as he passed the guard to side control as Tumanov was then moving back in towards him Gunnar leaped straight over foot just shot to the other side straight into mount and from that second mount yeah you're done it was game over he Tumanov expended far too much energy in the first trying to escape with mad bridge and rolls. Uh, Gunnar was just on top. Tumanov did eventually get out to his credit and then got back to the feet, but the damage was done at that stage. There was a couple of a couple of minutes from Gunnar's pressure on top into the second round when he took the back or when Tumanov gave up his back. I thought, okay, we're um, we're heading to the end here, but just Gunnar on the back waiting for his moment. Beautiful timing and. Michael Chiesa, very similar, has said it before. I think some... No, Michael Chiesa hasn't said it. But I've heard this being said about Michael Chiesa. It doesn't matter if the if the arm is under your neck. It just matters how good the guy squeezes. It could be yeah. on the chin, it could be on the cheekbone, it could be on the nose, it could be not on your eyes or anything like that. But anything from the nose downwards, you can get rear naked choked. You can get choked from the back if the person has a good enough grip, as good enough technique as Gunnar Nelson does in applying a rear naked choke. Unfortunately, I found out from stat mathematician himself, Mike Bond, um, that he put up a thing at the weekend that Gunnar was now third for the most submissions in UFC welterweight history. Unfortunately, he's not. 
because his fight with Demarcus Johnson was an agreed catchweight beforehand. Uh. So it doesn't count towards... But, but, he could have fought Demarcus Johnson at 170. The two of them both miss weight. And then if someone got a sub, it would go down as a welterweight submission because it was meant to be a welterweight fight. That's a bit, that's a bit, I don't know. I think he will end up uh, getting that rec- uh, taking that record in his career, though. Yeah. And probably maybe probably most rare naked chokes as well. I think Kenny Florian has that, but I think Gunnar has four now. Yes, that's close to that as well, I think. Now that you mention him. Didn't he, didn't he like, equal the record or something there a couple of weeks ago? Michael Chiesa. He's a lot of them as well, I think. Uh, yes, he, I think we talked about that in the last in the podcast after he last fought. Yeah. I can't believe they did that to poor Michael Casey. You know, flew him around the whole whole way whole way around the world just to let people know publicly he's fighting Tony Ferguson. Yeah, <laughs> imagine yeah, imagine doing that, like making a man break his own funeral like that. Make him sit alongside Danny Rube as well. That's the worst thing they could have done to him. Manager, you know, manager Danny Rube. Exactly, exactly. He was asking for you. Was he? No. <laughs> nah, never liked him anyway. Um, Speaking of people we never liked, Neil Siri. <laughs> I was I was going to post him, the picture of him in his Man United jersey after he lost, but I thought that'd be a bit, nah, that'd be too bad now. But I bet I bet you, Carl, uh, what's his name, Carl Roach, would probably do it. But I don't think he's anything to be to be sad about. To be honest, it was a it was a very good performance. I thought against uh, practice. I got some stick for saying this today, but the second best uh, flyweight in the world, Kyoto Araguchi, I think. Between it's between himself and Joseph Benavides anyway for the second best flyweight in the world. I don't think there's anyone else, even though he's ranked like fifth or something. I think that's a joke of a ranking. Um, but I think Haraguchi has improved an awful lot. It was a very good performance. But like, what can you say about Siri? Like, how tough is he? In, like, it's someone. Someone mentioned a gun into the third round. It wasn't, it wasn't an Irish person. It was an American journalist. And they just said, like, serious. You know, he's taken a fairly good beating, like, in the first two rounds. Like, people gave a couple of, uh, at least one or two, ten, at least one ten eight anyway. And, like, you could tell he was still live, like, going into the third round. Like, okay, you probably knew he wasn't going to win. But, he, you know, he never stopped fighting for any, any second of it. He had that uh, armbar attempt at one stage caught Haraguchi with a good few shots on the inside like you know we spoke about that last week we said that was his chance to do it but um, yeah, it was it was a good performance and good performance by I thought it should have won uh, fight at night to be honest but they gave four performance at night bonuses okay I'm not uh, I'm not proud of this Sean go on but I was in the cheap seats I was in the nosebleeds for series fight yeah missed the post-fight scrum with Leon Rocky Edwards. I was like, nope, I have to witness this. Went out. When that armbar went on, uninstinctively. Now, I didn't have my credential on, do you know, so that's okay. Go on, Siri, you cunt you, was the first thing that came out of my mouth. Jesus. And two people beside me, two Germans, just turned and looked at me. Because the arena was fairly quiet. Like, do you know what I mean? There wasn't a lot of support for Siri there. And just out of nowhere, go on, Siri, you cunt. Yeah. <laughs> out of bad, nowhere. Bad journalism, that is, Andrew. Bad yeah. journalism. Should I, should I keep that story in the podcast? Yeah, do go on. Yeah, okay. okay. Well, look, I'm okay we're with not, it. Because, look. What? No, no. And, like, look, there's no point in uh, pussyfooting around the topic. Like, do you know what I mean? When you cover guys as extensively... Maybe as some of the guys within Severe do, whether it's me, whether it's Pizzi, whether it's Graham, or whether it's Dave, or even whether it's you. Like, do you know what I mean? You're such a Peter Queeley fan now. You're a fanboy at this stage. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? Peter Pete, my boy, after he put that message, of though, course, put that feed about me there. I have to be. Do you know? So they're like, they're, you do, I don't want to say develop a relationship, but do you know, it is always nice to see the Irish guys win. Do you know, at the end of the day, it is always nice to see that. So it's, it's weird as well. Irish journalism is very different from American journalism. Like, we, we, we try to be very fair, but like, other sports, they don't really like. <laughs> you know, they try to. You know, if Irish journalists go on to like see the Ireland soccer team. They support the Irish soccer team, and like they, they like they, they grew okay, up they supporting the Irish soccer team. Yeah, but like even if a boxing journalist is going to see like Andy Lee or Carl Frampton or something, they're like, oh, you know, we hope they if they go on the radio, we hope they're going to like. So if myself or PC or you or whoever go on the radio, like we don't say that. You know, we you know we try to remain very neutral, and I think that's a thing that we've kind of taken up for America, and it's a good thing. But it's weird. It's it's not you know it's not natural for us. You know it's that might be it's a very natural thing in America and stuff, and that's why American journalists complain about it and all. But in Irish in Ireland, you know our, journal, our journalists kind of support our athletes and stuff, and it's it's a bit weird. And I try not to do it as much as I can, but sometimes you just can't fucking help yourself. Like in fairness, God forbid I would be the uh, the target of one of Mark Ramiondi's stinging media tweets uh, about clapping or something like that. But uh, no, look. Up in the, up you see, in the, uh, did you up see Claudio the, Ranieri crying. Did you see the Leicester team? No, did you see the Leicester team after uh, Claudio Ranieri's press conference? Like after Leicester won the league, all the journalists were there and they brought like champagne and they were all drinking champagne and they like, clapped Claudio Ranieri into his press conference and stuff. Imagine if that happened in MMA. Oh fucking, Jesus! So, yeah. Oh God! For like, look, I there are certain things that I agree with. Okay, clapping a press conference is is annoying. But, but there's under but certain circumstances. Yeah, okay. well, no, like n- it never really is because there's never would, there's never a need to like a room to clap. Do you know what I mean? But at the same so time, retired. at the so same retired. time, okay, don't yeah. be yeah, retirement. Fair enough. Yeah. Do you know? But for saying a funny line at a press conference, I hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. yeah, don't do that. But then at this, like what I'm trying to say is. These guys, like maybe the European outlets or whatever, they're not full-time professionals. They're not doing this as a job. Do you know what I mean? I will stand by this and say it myself completely. I didn't go to I didn't go to college to learn about being a journalist. Do you know? I didn't go to find out what ethics were or different things like that or like stuff about reporting and do you know like you're not allowed to do this because it's against the journalism code. It's like okay, cool. I interview people. I wanted to be on the radio. Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to make it work in whatever way, shape, form I can. And if you don't like that style, sorry. Like, I'm professional when it comes to it. When I need to be professional, I will be professional all the time, every time. But sometimes you have to just detach yourself from the situation. And you want to go watch one of the best Irish MMA fighters that this country has ever produced. A man who has motivated and inspired, I think, more people... Um, whether it's within his gym, within his circle, within uh, the local Irish MMA community, like the fighting Irish MMA community, the Neil Siri. Do you know, he just, he he says something can be done and he does it. He leads by example. You say you can, you have to uh, quit a job to be able to train full-time in mixed martial arts. No, here's why you're wrong, because I'm getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to do all of this stuff. I run to work, I work, I've got young kids having to train as well, raising, like... After speaking to Siri last week, probably one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done with an Irish MMA fighter. I'm not going to lie, Sean. I enjoyed it that much. It seemed like we were on the cusp of something magical happening, like of a fairy tale actually coming true. The guy that is 
worked his ass off his whole life for this opportunity that he got, that he took with both hands, that he did absolutely everything in his power. And I'd say that it, it's eaten away at him inside. I think that, like, fair enough, you can come out and you can lose and you can fight like the way Siri did and you can still give Haraguchi good shots. Do you know what I mean? He, Haraguchi yeah. was wobbled in the third round. He said it to Siri afterwards that he caught him with an absolutely lovely shot, the one that gave him the black eye. But yeah. up until that point, imagine the frustration that's going through Siri in, in, for, for him in that fight. Do you know what I mean? Like just over, over swinging on some shots, you know, maybe being taken down. Just typical some uh, eye-rolling maybe Irish or MMA moments within the round of, you know, Haraguchi going for a takedown just to see out the round and stuff like that when you wanted nothing more than to see the two of them stand in the middle of the ring until the other one dropped. Yeah, I think there was a lot of that. Though. I think it was. I don't think there was any like, you know. And Siri did it himself. He did. Yeah. It Siri down. Siri like, down two him. rounds, and he just no. I'm taking winning every single battle. Like, you know, yeah, I'm going to take you down. It was yeah. It was a very good fight. Like, and I think just back on your interview, just for a second, like, I think he said himself that he was sending out a message to the young fighters today, like that you know you need another source of income. Like, it's not going to work for all these guys. Like, these guys going out now, like posting pictures of themselves like signing contracts like showing themselves with loads of money and stuff like what like you've had two fights in your career like why are you doing that like don't don't do that like fine do that like when you're 15 fights in when you're like 13 and 2 or something and you you can afford to leave your job and you're a full-time in the ufc or um fucking one fc or bellator or whatever but Jesus, like, come on, yeah, Siri kind of, I think that's, that's kind of what Siri was hinting at, you know. But imagine if, I, I keep keep imagining when he's fighting these, as like, because he's so good and even, you know, he speaks about himself, this could be my last fight, you know, he said he's getting on in age and stuff. Um, imagine if he'd started younger, like if the flyweight division had been around there younger, like, you know, if he discovered MMA at a younger age or being, you know, if just the sport had been around. Like, I think he, he could have definitely been one of the best in the world, you know. Uh, and he he is at the moment like, but he could have been one of the top five, you know, top top ten best in the world. Um, but you know, if he had been able to get like, as I said, fifteen fights or whatever, and leave a job, and you know, be secure in having it. But he, you know, the way he is at the moment, obviously he can't do that. He's intelligent about it. He knows that. He knows that. You know, what would be the point if he even leaving his job? He could have two losses in a and he's no job, and he's caught from the UFC and all, and you know, he's making five hundred quid in local jobs. So, but yeah, the fight itself. I thought he fought like he always does, you know, with his, with his heart in his sleeve, you know, goes out there, tries to get in a guy's face, you know, hurt him. You know, I, I, he did that, but Haraguchi was just a little, that little bit too technical, that little bit too fast, and I think he's improved an awful lot. Um, I think he's working with AT and, AT and T, I was going ATT now, and you, you know, you could tell he came out first punch of the, the fight and knocked Siri down, and you know, knocked him down again straight after, and you know, you don't know how much that actually hurt Siri as well, and it affected him for the rest of the fight. But you know, I didn't really look at it because he he fought fairly well. Um, but Haraguchi just, you know, he's a different different sort of animal. Very good fighter. And, uh, like, for Siri to go three rounds with someone like him, it's just unbelievable. Like, his chin, he took shots there that, you know, would put literally anyone else in the world down. Even if, you know, if he got Mighty Mouse with the shots, he got him, caught Siri with, he'd probably put him away, you know. He probably wouldn't catch Mighty Mouse with two shots, you know what I mean? But if he did. But, um, 
Like, well, I don't, like, serious. don't don't gloat over the fact that he did get dropped. <laughs> I think like three. No, times. no, but I'm just saying, like, he did unbelievably well to keep going. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Uh, to the toughness. But like, series of one of those guys that like, if the UFC ever caught him, it'd be fucking injustice. Like, he, everyone loves watching him fight all the time. Like, and uh, hope you know, there's people talking about him maybe getting caught. I don't think so. You know, he don't. What he won his last. Even two or three in a row, his last couple, but like one loss, especially in five division. That's so, um, you know, that's so, that's so weak. I don't think he he will get caught, but you know, hopefully, if the European cards and you know, sort big McGregor cards and stuff, you know, there's a lot less Irish guys than there used to be in the UFC now, and hopefully, you know, he'll be on those cards, uh, big ones to come. Isn't it crazy that we could be looking at a time where like the first generation of Irish MMA fighters on in the UFC? could all be gone like within the next 18 months outside yeah, of Conor every, McGregor every male Irish fighter in the UFC now is coming off a loss that has ever fought in the UFC that mad isn't it Ashley Daly's the only fighter to ever fight in the UFC coming off a win from Ireland do you want to know that uh, did you see Mike Bond tweet that as well no I tweeted that oh did you well he tweeted yeah. one that about Irish fighters haven't won in the UFC since McGregor beat Aldo um, and it was uh, it was in the press room, and he's like, I might actually put before that stat, Andrew McGahan is in tears in the press room right now, <laughs> and then put that up afterwards, and I was like, oh, please don't. Did Ashton Gailey not win? When did Ashton Gailey fight? Was well, that it wasn't before Aldo, I don't think. Yeah, it doesn't matter anyway. UFC Dublin would have been our last fight. Oh yeah, that was when was all the yellow fight in December, wasn't it? Yeah. So there, yeah, it's not a good time for like Irish MMA. He was talking about, you know, he spoke about the bubble being burst. Siri did himself last week, and you know, I wasn't. He was never going to keep going the way it did. We like we all, we, we, you know, I think we all kind of in our heart parts kind of knew that, but it'll it'll come back in. Like Siri's going to win fights, you know. Paul Revan is coming back. Um, soon to fight in Bama again you know Norman Park was there were stocks of him having a fight which you know the, the promoter said it hasn't happened yet but he's signed to I think he signed with them anyway so he'll have a fight soon you know and there's plenty of guys you know there's lots of guys coming through as well and you know it's, it's a bit doom and gloom at the moment but that's the way MMA goes like people lose and people win you know it's it's not one of those sports where you're going to keep winning forever and you know if anyone expected that you know it's a bit foolish but you know it's I wouldn't be too. I wouldn't be too gloomy about it anyway at the moment. Rest of the card, though, it wasn't yeah. like throw it back. Dublin, two thousand and fourteen. There, the arena was unbelievable. The crowd were unbelievable for when I was out there. For the different times I was out there for the Dutch fighters, I made a point of going out for Shermaine the Randomies fight. It's your best friend. Me, we're tight. Look, yeah. you'll, you'll notice I'm the only person pronouncing her name right as well. Ger- she didn't get your. Ger- she didn't get your. Uh, no, she did. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. Did. That no, no, she got it. Comp- oh, the Margaret Thatcher joke. Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Not okay. She didn't get that, but you see, that was the second take of the interview because right. Big Dave Fogarty forgot to press record on Fucking this Zoom, and we mucked up the first one, and it was going very well. In fact, I was going to abuse Dave Fogarty there, but he'd give out to me, so I don't want to. He'd get offended by me. Yeah. So look, just we let him pass. Yeah. He was uh he looked after Good me job, all, all, all week. Kept saying stuff like you're only 11 anyway and having to bring me places cuz youngest of the group, you know, Dave's the adult. But um I keep thinking Dave's like 17. What is Yeah, Dave no, like Dave's 26. 26, yeah. Uh, I well, I thought I thought 29 as well, Sean, to, between me and you. But 
her performance was unreal. One of my favorite on the card. Uh, yeah, do you a fan? Do you hate um, her? Do you like her? It was like this Anel Mosley, you know, I haven't seen her fight before. She didn't exactly look like a like a world beater. Um, to be honest, it was one of those fights, you know, that was kind of a well set up for Jermaine Duran to meet the win, I think. But you look good, a that massive, the body. Uh, massive size and reach difference as well, I believe. So see, yeah. yeah, she just you know, she just destroyed her. Um same can be said for well not really the same can be said, but uh, special K Karolina Kovelkovic. See that boy, Kovalkovic, that's it. Uh, Beast, Heather Joe Clark. Heather Joe Clark's improved an awful lot. She, like when she was in, she, yeah, she was in the tough house. She wasn't very good at all, wasn't impressive, but she's improved an awful lot. Um, Nikita Krylov, terrible fight against Hans. But somehow Fran- the Fancy man Mar- keeps Hossin. winning. Yeah. Did you see that rear neck choke, actually? That wasn't under Jin. Yes. That, now, that wasn't like <laughs> Gunnar Nelson, where, okay, you can see why he tapped. That was, I'm going like, to break your neck. But that was like, okay, I'm going for the choke. Okay, I'm gonna try to, gonna, I'm gonna try to push it underneath. Okay, I have it at the chin. I'm gonna, and then he taps. You know, it was, I don't know, but also, I don't know. Maybe he was hurt or something before it. Maybe you know, he had a crack jaw or something like that. But it, you know, to me, it didn't look. You know, a lot of people were kind of saying it like that. I saw, was it Vinnie McLeish or some one of those jujitsu guys? Anyway, was saying that that was, uh, it was an early uh, tap. Oh, but yeah, uh, a sage. Go. Yeah, and then, actually, oh, I missed. I you maybe you can tell me about it. I missed the resume of daddy fight because my I, I had to go to work and fight pass wouldn't roll him back for it. He got a good knockout to the third yeah, round. So that was, I was in the middle of scrumming and editing, and I said in the press room I thought Yan Cabral was going to win. Um, so, and go. for the first round, it just looked like Razor was so frustrated, like he couldn't get him down at all. Cabral was able to negate the grappling. He couldn't really get any of his own takedowns down himself, but you could tell that Reza was was frustrated. So then it ended up reverting to his hands, you know. And in fairness, the combination that he did catch Cabral to finish with was unreal. I've said unreal far too many times in this podcast unreal. tonight. But the right uppercut, like as I as I eloquently put on Twitter, he's been working that shot for years with skill and precision. Sean, have you seen the uh, Turkish guy that punches people outside shops on Facebook? No. Image of resume daddy. Like, oh, so, so funny. Now, wasn't he meant to retire? Wasn't there a big feature film or something, feature documentary done? Oh, yeah, done someone sent me that. About his, it, yeah, about his retirement. And yeah. then he's talking about can't wait to fight again. So I don't know where his head really is in it. He seemed like he just wanted to right the wrongs, maybe, of the Norman Park loss. Do you know, like, people brought it up in the scrum, and he he, he spoke about it at length, but he said this is just a great feat. To not have it taken away from, I think is is what he said. To be given the, to earn the win, like was just was all that it meant for him. Scariest moment of my life was sharing an elevator with uh, Resume Daddy in Dublin in the Gibson Hotel. There we go back here again. He's a mad boy. He's a mad fucker. Like I actually like I was afraid standing in a sitting yeah standing in a fucking elevator with him. It was just after Neil Siri half attacked me as well. No, oh, well then yeah. you were probably riled up completely. Rest of the card as a right. First of all, what happened, Antonio Silva's hair? It was nice. First of all, he grew some. And then, second of all, he got it hipstered. I didn't look at it that carefully, to be honest. No, no, I I looked at it manicured up close last week. Nice, wasn't it? Very, very fresh. Very, very fresh. As someone with, like, probably the best hair in MMA. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate I, you saying I, that about I, me. He listen now. 
We all know. We all know. I, I appreciate good hair like that as someone with terrific hair myself, you know, so I'm happy with that. But, you know, I think a friend of mine said there, texted me about an hour before we started, how is Bigfoot Silva still fighting? I think that's maybe a question that maybe he needs to ask himself. Um, Do you want to hear something better? Go on. A source told me this, right? From the horse's yes. mouth. I don't know who his coach was. I don't know who was in his corner. But the first guy over to him was said, get up off the ground. You're not even hurt. You quit. Fuck's sake. So that's uh, tales, tales from cage side. Do you know? So that was heard. That was Dave Fogarty, wasn't that it? Was, uh, that was very audibly heard. <laughs> Definitely Dave Fogarty. But, um, he was sitting right there with his camera. Look, I... Come on, Dave. Fair play to you, Dave. I cannot confirm or deny where any of my sources come from, Sean. <laughs> sources like- reportedly are telling me... <laughs> sources... Like, how can a source reportedly... Like, this Stuff was the running joke of UFC, yeah. of UFC yeah. Rotterdam. Sources reportedly are suggesting that Conor McGregor is fighting Floyd Mayweather. Uh, that does, that's not really how it works. We'll get to that, oh, we'll get to that, don't you worry. But do you think, uh, do you think Beautiful should retire one win in the last seven? Oh, without a doubt. It's the UFC need to stop. Uh... Here's what I'm worrying about, Sean, right? Yeah. Bigfoot Silva is a big enough name. Yeah. He could, he, fight, he could get a fight out of the UFC, no problem, tomorrow. But he's on contract to the UFC. Yeah. The UFC, the Bigfoot, the UFC probably think Bigfoot Silva should not fight again. His friends and family probably think Bigfoot Silva shouldn't, <laughs> Bigfoot Silva should not fight again. But Bigfoot Silva probably wants to fight again because he's a fighter. It's what he knows. It's what he does. So the UFC can't release him because he'll go to another promotion and fight. Do you know, like, th- I think we're coming into an age now with free agency and other promotions being threatening and being able to offer money that you may see the UFC hang on to guys for a little bit longer. And, obvi- like, there's... Am I, am I out of line saying something like no, that? Right. I, I think we're, I think we're coming to a very delicate period of, like, guys' careers, like, where... Okay, maybe they shouldn't be fighting the caliber guys in the UFC, but they're a name, so we can't let them go. But if they stay here, they're going to lose and get badly hurt every single time. Of course, Bigfoot Silva can still win fights in his MMA career before he retires. They're just not going to be in the UFC. But if he's still at, like, they, they need to cut him. They need to let him go. Do you know, like, do not yeah. put that man through that again. Like, let him go to Brazil and fight someone who's, like, a barman or something like he just needs to he needs to do it yeah for Stefan Struve as well you know people talking about this being a comeback and it is a comeback restart I, I was never I never really wrote him off before because of the whole heart problem and you know he was recovering from it and giving him time but I think Stefan Struve is what he is like this you know this fight is hard to tell because Antonio Silva was absolutely you know he's shot as a fighter 17 seconds so it's hard to tell you know, he didn't do too well against Jared Rochelt, obviously beating O'Gara and another stinker of a fight and he got taken on by over him and beaten as well. But you know, I think he is he is what he is. He's never going to be he's never gonna fight for a 
a UFC title. I don't think he's never going to be top five, you know. But in the division, the way it is today, he's young. What is he, 30? Um, he's probably going to stick around for another few years. There's, as you said about Big Silva, there's fights he can win his MMA career. There's definitely fights he can win in, you know, in the UFC. Even you know guys is up there like Derek Lewis and stuff. I think he'd probably beat him. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't think Stefan Shrew will ever be a contender or anything. Uh, unlike me, over him. <laughs> or Berlin, like me, who thinks he man. will be a contender. But whatever, we'll get on. Do to you it go later on. on. No, go on okay, so. I think that Stefan Struve is back. And it's again, it's from talking to them. It's from the way that he spoke as convincingly and with such conviction the other day. I was like, okay, let's see. Do you know what I mean? They were talking about, he was talking about not being able to pull the kill switch before in fights. So I'm pretty sure he had it fully switched on when he was raining elbows into the side of Bigfoot Silva's head the other day just to get, yeah, the McGregor, McGregor elbows just to get the finish. Like, this was fair enough, maybe taken to the location supercharged, big performance, hometown, uh, get the one-up over Overeem who's fighting after you, but if he loses, you'll have got the biggest pop of the night, and things like that. And so Struve was always going to like Struve was always gonna win in, in that situation, I think. The same way Robert Whiteford was always going to beat Paul Redmond in that arena with that support behind him. The same way Paddy Houlihan would have walked through a thousand walls at the first fight at UFC Dublin and still would have won. Like, this... It does play a massive effect part. It does definitely affect some fighters, and certain fighters fight better with it. I think this is a perfect case of it at the weekend. Would you say the same for Overeem? Um, I actually wouldn't. I think Overeem no. was tentative in his fight. I think Arlovsky did the exact right thing in coming, like, in coming out of him the way that he did. I think Overeem was going to play it overly safe because he did not want to be KO'd in front of uh, in front of his hometown like that. Look at it this way. I think if he had a won or lost, he wouldn't he won't go back to Jackson's. He may go back to Jackson's, but he won't be welcome. I don't think. Like the way that he talks about how it's okay, it's fine, it's no issue that he's fighting a teammate. That's because you're a fighter who's gym hopped. Fair enough to say that for quite a large part of his career, who's now finding a place that is helping older fighters extend their careers more than anything. Do you know like Greg Jackson, Mike Winklejohn, whoever are finally able to make these guys play safe and fight with game plans do you know Arlovsky's put a couple of years extra onto his career since he's went there Overeem definitely will as well BJ Penn's in the middle of fucking trying to do that himself do you know what I mean and that we could still see BJ Penn fight for another two years under Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn a hundred percent we could see something like that happen so I just think that him going on about it was like when a gym is that big and that well renowned and fighters coming in from all over the world, you're going to have people that just want to be there because it's the place to be there because they don't have anywhere to be themselves, homie. See what I'm saying, Sean? Yeah. This fight went exactly Ain't nobody exactly fucking like with my was. click. Exactly. Like, almost like, to a T. Me, yeah. me and Niall McGrath were standing there. I was like, Niall, I'm actually chuffed, I call it. Like, fair enough, Arlovsky, when he came out and rushed him, I thought, oh, this could, like, he connected with some good shots, so I thought maybe Overeem can take a shot at the moment again, but then just so tentative from that onwards, it was like he was worried that that could happen again and he wouldn't get out of it the second time. That's how he's been fighting recently, though. That's, as you said, Greg Jackson, that's how he has him fighting, and I think it's it's revitalised Alistair Overeem's career because at heavyweight, you know, I saw. I think it was Patrick Ryan was saying it the other day about how you know Alistair Overeem. Obviously, you know he's not as jacked as he used to be. He looks slower than he ever ever was before, and I agree with that. But 
he's fighting in such a way that's still very effective and heavyweight because, as you say, he's very tentative. He's protecting his chin an awful lot, and he's looking for these one big shot to finish the fight. Now, if you try to do that at flyweight or lightweight, even that's a very hard thing to do. But at heavyweight, especially with the skills that Alistair Overeem actually has, that's that's uh, you know that's something you can do, and that's a you know a way you can fight, and it's actually a smart way you can fight because he's you know he's pretty good takedown defense. Even if he is taking out, he's a very killer guillotine. Um, you know, and he he can keep guys away. He can be defensively good, and then he can attack when they leave openings. And as a, you know, it can be the first minute of the fight, or it can be like the twenty-first minute of the fight. But he will catch you eventually, and you know he can put you away. But the thing about over him is to catch him first and put him away first. But when he's fighting tentatively, it's hard to do that. So you know. He, I think it's very intelligent the way he's fighting. I, you know, I have no problem with guys fighting that way. And you know, I think he will be back to, to Jackson's again. Uh, he like he. If he had a he loss, over, he, he wouldn't have gone back. And also, yeah, yeah. all class, he had no option but to be all class. Do you know, like he, like yeah. he couldn't have done a Ronda Rousey and been like, "No, I'm protecting Armenian heritage." Fuck you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think. What? Are what? What are you talking about? Do you know the way you're saying she's all? He was all class. Yeah. And Ronda Rousey flipped off Misha Tate because. No, but I'm saying before he, the fight even happened, he went over and he shook Greg Jackson's hand and oh, shook my wrinkles off. Sorry, hand. I thought you said yeah. after when he was over apologizing and he talking to the guys. Too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So point gone, I suppose. But go back to <laughs> making your nice one, I suppose. Go yeah. On. Sorry. I yeah. I like Arlovsky's. He did well to come back, as you said. He's a career resurgence, but I think that. Maybe not the chin, but the chin at heavyweight. You know, even if you have a great chin at heavyweight, you're still going to get knocked down an awful lot. And you know, I think he, uh, you know, he's he's always liable to get knocked out against guys who fight smarter, like over him, as you said. Like Arlovsky had to come out quick and try his face because he knew if he got into a battle with countering against Overeem, that Overeem would more than likely win that because, you know, Overeem's so good, world champion kickboxer and stuff, and Arlovsky knows he's more than likely not going to win that fight. Um, so he had to come forward, and he did well, relatively. He caught Overeem a few times. You know, Overeem looked like he was rocked a couple of times, but, you know, he came through in the end, and now he's going to be uh, fighting for the heavyweight title, probably. Um, which we get to later. One yes. final thing on that fight. We are very critical in the past. Mm-hmm. We are very complimentary when it's done correctly. What did you make of Mark Goddard's stoppage in the main event? I can't tell. It was fine. I didn't at the time. So I, I thought know. watching it live. You hate Mark Goddard as well. Like let's be honest here. That's a bit harsh. I'm not going to lie, Sean. I do not hate anybody. I just. <laughs> um, I know from when we have brought this up in the past. Do you know? I just go back to the the McGregor Bushinger stoppage. You're, you you only parroting that from Graham though. That's a joke. Uh, well, look, whether I'm parroting or not, it's true. But in Connor's previous fight, he knocked out Goddard's student, or no, know, he tapped out Goddard's student. Second li- second time after that, Goddard's ref in the match. Do you know what I mean? about for me, regardless of what happened, regardless of what happened with the stoppage, you know of. Connor being pushed physically away despite not intending on throwing a shot and pushing her on the ground, whatever. Me personally, I wouldn't, that's just me, I wouldn't feel comfortable someone refereeing a match um, when I had beaten one of their students. That's, look, my opinion. Countless others probably feel different, that's fine. But in terms of this stoppage at the weekend, it seemed like he was about to come in, then step back out. Like it almost looked like he had bumped into the lads going to stop it. Step back out, and Arlovsky took a couple of more shots 
before he, he called it off. Now, I don't have the angle and the view that Mark Goddard have of Andrei Arlovsky's face, but seeing how the hook connected, seeing how he went down and seeing the def- the minimum the minimal defence, the bare minimum amount of defence shown by Arlovsky up until the point of the finish. I don't think anyone would have been like, oh, what the fuck's Mark Goddard doing if he had have called it off when it looked like he was going to call it off instead of stepping back out. Do you know? Like, Andrei Arlovsky wasn't recovering from that position. Andrei Arlovsky wasn't inverting up onto his right shoulder to roll through for an e-bar or anything like that. He was done. Do you yeah, you're actually so? right in fairness. When guys turtle off, that's that's enough. You can just stop it from there. Yeah, he probably got in three or four shots too, too much. Right? Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. You are right in fairness. So that's but, all. Nothing personal. Mark Goddard's a good a referee, good a very good referee. But if if you get all the praise for being a very good referee, that's then true. you know if it's like oh we just won't mention that because he's done great things in the past. It's like mm-hmm. uh, my absolutely awful interview with Chael Sonnen. It's like oh guys don't bring that up because I interviewed Connor once and it was decent. It's like no what? We thought it was awful. I'm telling you it was awful. Fair enough. Worst interview that I've ever done in my life. But aside from no, that, go on. No comment. No comment. Right. Good man. Fuck you. I'm way off with you. Next thing. What are we talking about? Come on. We're talking about the biggest story in combat sports today. Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. Oh, yeah. Let's let's keep this short because fucking hell. Right. First things first. Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor are not so going stupid to fight. When it happens. They're not going to fight. This can't happen unless the UFC allow it, and they won't. Uh, Conor McGregor has a contract with the UFC in which it's written that he can't fight for another promotion, whether it be boxing, MMA, pro wrestling, kickboxing, whatever. So it can't happen unless the UFC allow it to happen. Dana White said he's not going to allow it to happen, so therefore it's not happening. Money makes people change their mind. Oh, yeah, good. Okay, let's, let's, let's... Life without what's life without whimsy? Okay, if they fought in MMA, McGregor destroy him. We all know that. If they fought in boxing, Mayweather destroy McGregor. What rule set could you make that it'll be a little bit even? That it'll actually be a good fight. Muhammad Ali versus your man. But he was allowed two takedowns, wasn't he? Inoki. Inoki, yeah. One round, one round boxing, one round kickboxing. That's what I would like for McGregor versus Floyd. Well, that wouldn't. That'd just end in the second round. Then, like McGregor could definitely last round with Mayweather boxing, and he'd destroy him if it was kickboxing. I I'm gonna really apologize to whoever wrote this article, but I read it today that the reason it's not so stupid is because the money that could be put on the table might be enough for the UFC to be like, yeah, okay, go do that. Oh well, yeah, if, if the UFC allowed them, they could do it all right. Like it's not impossible, but the UFC are not going to allow their biggest fighter to go and fight against Floyd Mayweather. Like that's... But they were saying like that there's a chance Conor could even go the go the distance with Floyd because of Floyd being a, like if the Jesus who was it? It's annoying me so much because it was so good. They were like if you put him up against Canelo or. Uh, Golovkin, then yeah, both yeah, of them are going to finish Connor badly. But Floyd's a defensive fighter. Floyd would take the decision. It doesn't matter. He's still going to go know fifty that. and oh. He'd land lots of shots on McGregor. Like he'd be, you know, he might, he wouldn't probably wouldn't knock him out, but he'd bloody up his face and cut him up. Definitely, you know. This is a zero on zero guy who's never fought a boxing fight in his life, like amateur or whatever. Like, but professional boxing, like Conor McGregor is one of the best MMA fighters in the world. But come on. You know, this is like Novak Djokovic going over and saying he's going to win the table tennis world championship. Like, 
That's the same thing. Like, oh my god! It's the same thing. It's like they're different. Final Graham reference of the trip when he was talking. <laughs> did you steal that joke deliberately? No, no. I, when I he was when joke. he was talking about uh, Mayweather fighting McGregor, he was yeah. like, "Sure, just not here." I'm going against Novak Djokovic in a five-set exhibition tennis match. Yeah, no, someone someone tweeted that about McGregor taking on Novak Djokovic. Oh, <laughs> in tennis and then maybe it was but maybe he different. just was reading the tweet. Sorry, yeah. never mind. Yeah, but like it's just I think a rule set right. This is just for jokes now. I think a rule set right where it was straight up boxing with boxing gloves and everything, but you allowed elbows. I reckon that'll kind of even it up a bit. That'd be good fun. Just elbows, yeah. Elbows that yeah, have to be like, called. Like, imagine McGregor could throw those elbows. He could throw elbows in the clinch. He could throw those elbows like Anderson Silva, Tony Frickland. That'd be tough for for um, the pretty one Mayweather to uh, to deal with. Yeah, no, I can get yeah. behind that. I can I can believe a, a universe where that would happen. Yeah. Well, I, that well, would obviously, it would be a like the. <laughs> The sky would be green and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. there's worse universes imaginable. Like, I want it to happen. I hope it happens. It'd be hilarious if it happened. Like, we imagine that you should talk and stuff before it'd be brilliant. Like, it'd be absolutely deadly. But I, like, I just can't see it happening. Like, I don't think it'll happen. You know, there's too much money on the line for both sides to lose and. So if we put the both sides could make it as well, but I don't know. Maybe if maybe if Five Mayweather was you know, was Mayweather promotions in conjunction with the UFC and Mayweather used the UFC like he uses Showtime, you know, to put it on their pay per view platform and stuff. But obviously it's gonna be in a boxing ring and stuff. Yeah, I don't know, maybe they could do it. Maybe the T Mobile Arena is big enough to have a boxing ring and an MMA cage so they can it's all you know, like the can dynamite. We stop talking that, uh, about this. Yeah. <laughs> People love it, that's why I'm just doing it. Yeah, no, like it's <laughs> just I was. So I, I wanted like to just bang my head off the wall so many times last week. Like, yeah, me too. The worst thing about it is actually I was talking to Patrick about it today. They're like, you know, we talked spoke about last week how annoyed we were at the whole Diaz McGregor thing still going on, and now there's Diaz McGregor and Mayweather all trying together, and it's just all bullshit. It's just, like, can this please end? Will this ever end? And I love the way Flight is kind of, and McGregor have both like Tron fucking fuel on the fire. Flight going out today saying, oh yeah, I'm not fighting an MMA fighter, and McGregor putting up the picture of him and Flight. It's just hilarious. They're crazy. Yeah. They're they're scandalous. And my favorite yeah. word, Sean. Dance. Anything else in the running order? Yes, UFC one ninety eight. Maybe the best card. Oh, one of the best Jesus, cards and it's already on. twenty to one in the morning. Oh, come on, Andrew. We need to get talking about this. This is fucking a brilliant card. Let, we'll run through all the fights. Well, all the good fights. So it's quickly. so big. We should be doing an additional <coughs> breakdown of it later on in the week. But whatever. We should. But. Uh, okay, but we Let's, could. We could, yeah, but we're doing it now. Uh, oh. no, little Nog against Patrick Cummins. How did you see that one going? Little Nog, this is his last chance to be able to win a match in front of his hometown, in front of his of his own country. Maybe not his hometown. Sorry, in front of his 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 people, and walk away, and then set the retirement story up for himself. Unfortunately, yeah, I, take him down. Okay. I don't think it's not gonna. <laughs> I don't think it's not. It's gonna <laughs> happen. I'm just saying that this could happen. This is the fight that the UFC are nearly trying to let it happen. In, but I think Cummins is going to be able to take him down. I think he's going to be too good for him on the feet as well. Yeah, and that's he's not even great on the feet. I just think he's going to be able to outwork Nogueira at this stage. 
it's yeah. it's, it's a sad decline. Yeah, it is. He did like he beat Rashad Evans like two fights ago, didn't he? But yeah, I agree. There's good fights as well. Trinaldo against Medeiros, Lineker against Font, which should be an unbelievable action fight. Warren Barberina. And then we get to your boy Damian Maya against Matt Brown. How'd you see that one going? An absolutely cracking welterweight fight. Matt mm-hmm. Brown will walk across the cage and try and punch Damian Maya straight in the face. When it comes to his stand up, I think it is diverse enough to be able to cause Maya problems. But Maya is just going back to his roots now, being able to just, you know, I don't want to hurt you, guy. I just want to tap you so you can go back to the gym the next day and he's still going to frustrate him. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, a little bit of counter jiu-jitsu more than anything from Damian Maya at the weekend. I'd love to see some sort of sweep-to-guard-pass combination at any stage. I'm just trying to imagine a situation where maybe Maya gets clipped, goes onto his back, uh, Brown swarms in like fury thinking like okay I can finish him here gets swept straight into mount beautiful submission Damien Maya walks away pissing himself laughing yeah I think Matt Brown Matt Brown's costs, grappling obviously. is also good to be fair not Damien Maya though well, not Damien Maya's level you're good but then you come up against someone like Damien Maya yeah Matt Brown needs to keep it off the ground at all costs he needs to smash him body shots he needs to kick Damien Maia in the legs as well you know to take away Damien Maia's wrestling has gotten very good recently and he's just you know we talked about Gunnar Nelson as well his trips have gotten very good you need to kick those legs early you know stay, Matt Brown has very good kicks you know destroy that body you know try just try to stay away from him as much as you can early and let him get tired let him work it up and then maybe you know bring it on the second third round but uh, I, I don't think Matt Brown will be able to stop take down at some stage and I think Maya will choke him out when it gets there um, I suppose we can move on then to Chris Cyborg making her UFC debut against Leslie Smith I thought Destruction, she was fighting Charmaine Durandamy no she was meant to wasn't she she they was were originally yeah. matched was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. ok so odds on Leslie Smith upsetting the mixed martial arts world about 0. point what? 0.25. 0. 0.025, I'd say. Oh, even worse. Yeah. Um. I know we don't look past fights, right? Yeah. But when Cyborg wins at the weekend, what is the next match? Because this is what I'm, I'm most excited about. I think that... I actually do want to see her fight. Uh, Randomly? The randomly, yeah. Watch that, yeah. Just from a striking perspective. Just after seeing the... like. The straight right that Durandamy finished her opponent with at the weekend was just, it was lovely. And I was watching it thinking like, I would like to see that done on someone standing up in an actual fist fight, as opposed to someone who's taking a knee about to be finished anyway. Do you know see 200. Why? Why not? Chris Cyborg's going to come Oh, through sorry. I day. thought you said put on UFC 200. I was like, why? What's just been announced? <laughs> but um, I don't know. Cyborg's obviously going to get through that very quick, you know? So... Get like I see where you're coming from. Get her out as quick as possible. Yeah. Okay, we boating cybers gonna win that. Yeah, I was gonna say, are we being a bit okay? Like, I don't want to be massively disrespectful here, but you know, this is one of the greatest female mixed martial artists to have ever lived, and she's and she's coming in just with a chip on her shoulder now to wreck shop, take what was hers, and then cement herself. And do you know what? She is going to be in the position that she will be able to get that award without ever having to fight Ronda Rousey. And only 18 months ago, only 12 months ago, not even 12 months ago, nine months ago, it was the complete opposite way around. Ronda Rousey only needed Cyborg, and then she could retire as one of the greatest fighters ever. 
how time changes. On another note, on the next fight that you're about to bring up, I think Uriah Hall is going to absolutely ether Anderson Silva. I think this is going to be a very bad fight for Anderson Silva. I think people are going to be crying in the stands. I think the traffic will come to a halt outside the arena. I know Super Calo already has a team of experienced photographers all around the venue trying to capture the the local natives' immediate reaction to Anderson Silva's fight. But this is a... This is a bad matchup for Anderson. I'm very sorry. Uriah Hall is another guy who I think has found the kill switch, who or at least believes in himself enough that, you know, in his head he's like, I am this good, I am this good, but I fuck it o- over for myself every single time mentally. But this time I'm going against the greatest who's ever lived. So in order to be anywhere near competitive, I'm going to have to be one of the best versions of myself that has ever shown up, and that's going to lead to him finishing Silva. Hopefully it'll bring out the best in him. If, a, if tinted Uriah Hall comes out, we're going to have a three-round bore fest, I think. Because like, both guys like to both guys like to counter an awful lot. Now looking at it from that way, you know, as I said, it could be very, uh, could be a very tentative, boring fight. But it could also be one where, like Overeem and Arlovsky to begin, you could have that one big shot landed, and that's I think that's more than likely to land for Uriah Hall. Anderson Silva just hasn't that snap anymore. Now he could do it. He landed that big front kick against Michael Bisping. But I think Uriah Hall will probably take a shot better than... Uh, although Bisping's a very good chin, but you know what I mean? Hall is a tough guy to hit like that, very fast, twist reflexes, well, good defensively. So I think Uriah Hall will hit him once, and I think Anderson Silva's chin won't be able to put up, stand up to it. Counter question. Go on. Anderson Silva absolutely did not want to be in London. Anderson Silva did probably probably thought he didn't ever deserve to share a cage with Michael Bisping. And now Anderson Silva who feels even less, I'd imagine, about sharing the cage with someone like Uriah Hall in his native country, in the place where he was a hero for so many years. Yeah. Is there, like, we're talking about chips on shoulders earlier on in the podcast by certain people. Surely this is it. There's going to be a chip on Anderson Silva's shoulder here. Yeah. He's, coming out, he's thought, yeah. coming out to finish. He's in front of all these people. I'm talking about energy. It's coming out of my fucking ears so much here, Sean, but I definitely think it plays such a massive, Ooh. massive, massive part in mixed martial arts. Maybe. You could be right. And if that is, and <laughs> if that actually happens, it could be a great fight. So now I've said it could be a terrible fight exactly. and a great fight. So what and, actually could happen? And on top of all of that, you've got Uriah Hall, the man who lives rent-free in his own head and has cost himself okay. multiple fights. This like this could this fight could realistically turn out to both guys breaking down in the cage and just talking their problems out with each other. Mm. It's like, man, we don't need to do this. We don't need to punch each other. <laughs> like, everybody this, loves everybody. This, this is this is what could happen. This is how good of a fight this is. Anything could happen. You are you taking Halda? I am still picking Hall to be honest like as much as I would like to see Anderson Silva be able to go out on such a beautiful moment because that would be it for him to hit a highlight reel something he's never done before oh my god viral the next morning on the internet hey by the way did you see Anderson Silva's knockout sort of stuff then yeah I think it would be an excellent way for him to go but Uriah Hall seems to have turned this journey around it seems like we're not going to talk about him as the guy who beat himself for for so long of his career I think a win would do absolutely wonders for him. It would also, I think, you know, he's the type of guy that would it would have the effect on him. Do you know when you beat a boss in a game, in an old PlayStation game, and you'd get their power? Yeah. Or when you... Um, <laughs> I like that reference. Do you know, like, when you, when yeah. you pass a certain... I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. Like, I think... You, or... What's the, what's the Harry Potter reference I'm looking for here? M- maybe not Dementors. Oh, yeah, it's like when you... 
when you break someone's wand or something, you get the power that wand had or something. Don't yes, you? there was something that like that. also. I was thinking more of uh, taking people's memories as well. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, and it is now they can be a part of you. I think that is pretty much what your eye, your eye hall is in his head thinking. Like, if I, you know, Ric Flair said to be the man, you have to beat the man. Do you know? Omar, yeah. one of the greatest characters in the world. You come at the King Sean, you best not miss. If your Raya Hall is going to walk Anderson Silva down, throw spitty shit, there's one simple rule. Don't miss. Or mm. you're getting finished yourself. Yeah. Your Raya Hall, almost 3-1 to one to win by a KRTKO. That's, that's a good bet. Buying money. Free money, hey. Hey, free money, hey. Me, Sean Sheehan. Right, um, co main event. Hmm. Shaq, Shaq, So, I don't know who's going to win this fight, to be honest. I'm, I'm, well, I wrote my preview on it. What do you I mean you don't know who's going to win this fight? Probably Jack, or maybe not. Jack, Vitor, no, no, no. Vitor Belfort is the 185 pound uh, version of Antonio Silva. We're just not going to be able to tell for another three fights. Three or four fights. That's actually a good point, yeah. Again, like... Yeah, he bought... Yeah, Dan Henderson, who we beat the last time. Yeah, you're right, actually. I think, I'm yeah. sorry. Like, yeah, you can smoke and mirrors me all you like. You put him up against anyone that's able to throw with any sort of bad intention. Actually, anyone with any sort of intention, good, indifferent, or the other. Do you know what I mean? Then I think Vitor Belfort's in for a bad night. <coughs> Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, he almost tapped John Jones. He gave him a good fight. Blah, blah, blah. But this guy's career has just been so shady and shrouded in controversy. And is he doing this? Is he doing that? You're just like, you don't actually know what he was like. Do you know, like, when when can we definitively point to a time where Vitor Belfort put on a clinical good performance in mixed martial arts and there not be question marks raised somewhere about him or what he was up to? Listen, Vitor was a clean fighter. He was allowed to take the RT all those times. You know, never. F- oh, wait, he did fail drug tests. Ah, oh. oh, sorry, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I, and once yeah, you fail that point. drug <laughs> test, your credibility goes out the window. Like, come on, mm-hmm. like, what do you expect us to think or believe? You failed tests before in the past, and suddenly you're able to knock out three guys by head kick. You knocked Luke Rockhold out with a head kick. What would happen if Luke Rockhold fought Vitor Belfort this weekend? Demolished. A criminal charge for Luke Rockhold would happen if he fought Vitor Belfort this weekend, Sean. Yeah, but it was it was legal back then. Can we say that? <sighs> but yeah, it's not legal anymore. So yeah, definitely. I think Jacker would probably take him down and chuck him out. Remember that wild run fight? Yeah, how bad spent, Vitor looked on the ground. I, yeah, I spent more talking about why Vitor Belfort's bad there than about why Jacker is actually a very very good fighter. But go on. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Jacker will take him down and chuck him out. Chris Camo, get that Chris Camozzi three fight on which I guess that's, yeah, no, that's what see. we want. That needs to be solved. I can like dig it. Yeah. Okay, main event, Verdum against Stipe Miocic. Okay. Here's my thoughts on this. Give for me you, your thoughts you before I ruin it. I watched a lot of tape on this fight over the last week because sometimes you have a thought in your head who's going to win and then you kind of you kind of convince yourself that that's going to happen. I had the thought in my head this time that that, that was going to happen. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch tape now. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to really think it through. And that that thought kind of still stuck with me. And I think Steep is going to win. I really do. Um, Verdun, okay, Verdun's a great fighter, but he has been winning fights 
as we spoke about actually with over him in a way that you keep yourself safe and then you get the big knockout or you get the big submission and stuff and he did that okay maybe he didn't do that against Velasquez which that was a very good win he did again that against Hunt uh, it was a unanimous decision against against Travis Brown he did that uh, obviously easier against Nogueira and, and Ryan Nelson and stuff like that but I think this fight is one where Majocic can fight the way Mark Hunt fought um, fought Verdum and obviously stay away from his guard don't let him pull guard on you don't go for any takedowns on him don't let him take you down stay at range and box with him stay out of the clinch as well especially Mark Hunt was absolutely destroying Fabrizio Verdum if you go back and watch that fight until he got hit with a flying head kick like Mark Hunt would have won that fight I think if it had kept going but okay alas it didn't um, and I think Majorchic is actually better at doing that than Hunt is he actually beat Hunt doing that um, in, in a stand up fight so I think if if, Verdun, if Stipe can keep him at the end of his jab can work around for five rounds I think he can win this fight because he, he, you know, he has done that he has shown that he can do that he's shown he can stand there with um, with JDS as well who's a better fighter are a better stand-up fighter than than Verdum is, and he did it in a way that it wasn't saying at the end of his jab and picking off the shots. It was going in and pressuring him, like say Velasquez had done to JDS, and that's why he did it. But against Harlovsky, he came in, landed those big shots early against Hunt. As I said before, he he came in and and he he um he worked a decision against one of the best strikers in the division. So. You know, Verdum always has that, and I, like I've said it a couple of times now, but he always has that ability to win with one big submission or one big knockout. And he could win like that, but I, I just don't think he will. I think Steep is going to do it. I think Steep is going to win the decision. So I know you're a massive fan, okay, of Steep. I know, I know. No, no, don't but even try to defend it. Not really, though. Uh, I, I, am, I like him. I like his style, but I like Verdum as well. So. I was thinking about I was thinking about this more over the weekend as well with the with the week leading up that was in it. I think Verdum is going to do it. Okay, now I was on the Stipe bandwagon. I do think, but there's just some like how many times have we had to count Verdum out of things? Like you know, thinking like he wasn't going to do it, he wasn't going to do it, and then he somehow does it. And it's not like, oh, he got lucky and somehow did it. It's like, no, he comprehensively did it. It's like people sleep on Verdum until like moments after the fight has happened. And then they're like, oh, yeah, shit, no, he actually was quite good. Or, yeah, I forgot, he, he's done stuff like that before. He's, he's phenomenal. Do you know, like, I just think he's, he sleeps on a lot of people. I think he sleeps on himself. Uh, well, not physically, but li- uh, literally. I know what you mean. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I don't know, like... I don't think Stipe is going to be able to land these constant shots after shots after shots that it would take to put someone like Verdum down, let alone away. Do you know, I just, I can see Verdum being able to win this fight. More and more I think about it, I'm thinking Verdum is actually going to win. If it's a five-round Fox striker match on the feet, do you think Verdum will beat him? If it was a five-round what? Striker match? Striker match, yeah. I think Stipe would win. All right, fair enough. But I think so if, would, I think if it's a fight where you can incorporate both of them, then Verdum has the advantage. I, I'd probably agree with that. But yeah, I like Verdum can win. So I'm not ruling out. You know, I just think Steve will win. But I, you know, it's it's a very even fight. You know, there's it's not at more than fifty five, forty five either way. Like I don't think. But yeah, I, don't, I just think there's something about Steve. It's he's a common man, as they say. And, you know, should we go fight though? I'm really looking forward to it. like Steve is no more on the ground either. No. He's he has um. 
you know, he's never been submitted in his career. I know Verdum is a different kettle of fish than anyone else, but um, you know, go fight. This is, I think, this is one of the best heavyweight fights we've had actually in a good while. Oh. There's been a little bit of a lull. So, quick talk about heavyweights before we go. Yeah, I was chatting outside the hotel the other night with a couple of media guys, and we were discussing Joe Rogan's uh, voiceovers. Like, obviously, these stuff gets. I I'd like to think these things get written for Joe. He said that Verdum would cement himself as the greatest heavyweight ever just for beating Stipe. It's like neglecting the the other things that are on his resume. Stipe well, isn't the crowning jewel in this Verdum fairy tale. Alistair Overeem is. Beating Alistair Overeem is the crowning jewel. Stipe is just getting the shot before that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you're right now, Stipe altogether here. Uh, look, I am and I'm not because... I will gladly sit here next week after Stipe puts on a clinic and be like, yeah, fair enough, he's legit, he's the real deal. But I think that the Verdum story is just such a good one that I am an idealist. I don't see it being ruined by Stipe. Do you know, maybe not just yet. Maybe another time, but not right away. I just think this, for Stipe to have his happy story, it needs to come against Overeem. For Verdum, you mean? Oh, did yeah. I, I kept saying Stipe, didn't I? No, you didn't. You just said just that in that time. Okay, I, I, I understand what you're saying, all right, and I think that's fair enough. But the MMA gods aren't very nice. They don't like you don't don't like people's dreams. I don't think it's going to happen. Who would be the MMA god? Is it like Zeus or something? Maybe, yeah. What's the god of? Probably the god of fire. Who's the god of fire? Don't know. God of fire. Hey, I can't even say that. Hephatus. 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 There you go. Is there a god of fighting? Oh, Athena is the god of fighting. Athena. Excellent. I'm say Athena. Is god she of in the flyweight or strawweight division? <laughs> they said something about Zeus here as well. War deities. Okay, I'm going to go with Athena. We'll call it... Oh, the god of war. Hold on, who's the god of war? Yeah, Athena's the god of war. There you go. She's, uh, she, I think she's, she's actually a 145er, and they wanted her to make 135, but she couldn't make it, so she's going to actually fight a 140 in the UFC. There you go. But as you're pulling up the questions there, Andrew, let's well, give look, a shout out. I'm not going to lie, Sean, I'm struggling yeah? here, because I'm not going to ask you for the password over the air, but I I just think... sent you a link to the questions, I should pull them up. Oh, really? Mm-hmm, very oh, easy. I thought it was just and... a login. no. Oh, jokes on that, me! Let me give a shout out to rosnutrition.com, our sponsors of the podcast, who are very kind to give all our listeners twenty five percent off their first order if they use the promo code Severe MMA in the promo box at the end when you're putting in your order. And actually, you know my friend JJ, who we spoke about had ordered last week, his order actually came, and he told me that stuff was great, that it helps a lot. He got, he got the pre workout, and he says it gives him a good boost when he's doing his workout, and that it mixes well and tastes lovely. So, what more do you want? There you go. That's it. So I have no idea. Yeah, there you go. Rosnutrition.com. Give them a look. Give them a follow on Twitter and stuff. If you search them, you find them there. Um, as I said, promo code Severe may get twenty five percent off. Spread the word. If you know your friend who doesn't like MMA. But likes lifting heavy weights, plays sports. Give him the promo code. Tell him there you go, lads. Okay, free present, free birthday present. Speaking of which, speaking of the weights, speaking of the weights. Yeah. Right. I don't know if I actually said it earlier on or just teased it. Yeah. 
But coming to SevereMMA.com this week, the one-on-one exclusive interview that we've all been waiting for. Mm -hmm. With the most undisputed, undeniable, the greatest Irish fighter to have ever lived, Sean. Who is it? The notorious Buzz, one himself, Buzz, Buzz McDonald, Owen Colgan, the man from Hardy Bucks, few blueies, absolute legend. Uh, had the pleasure of spending some time with him over in Rotterdam. An absolute gentleman. Him and the rest of the lads that to be knocking around with. Hardy lads love fighting, love smoking, love drinking. Find the wall. He even told Those, me he the- loves wanking. So the interview is coming. Uh, I- if there was work, if there was work in the bed, that man would sleep on the floor. Oh, stop! Like how how many times did we open podcasts with Hardy Bucks references? Probably more than and once. Uh, come here, do you want to hear a snippet? Will I play a snippet out of it? Well, I'll play a snippet because I have it here on my phone, and you'll be able to. Uh, <coughs> you can see me the whole lot afterwards, so I can watch it for everyone else. And um, while I'm still waiting on Yogurty Dave Fogarty to send me the video of it, I just have Yogurty. the audio. The fucker put a bit up and he's uh, putting Snapchat there earlier on. Did you oh, see that? Oh, no, but that was watching it through the, the back of the lens. Through the camera, yeah. So, can you hear this? Different names, like we got anything. Like, you know, yeah. Bye bye, baby. Wake you up time. So sometimes I'm not glad <laughs> out with that one and then I'll wake him up with that one. You know the way Crocop has the kick? Yeah. What's that one called? Right, uh, right kick, hospital, left kick, cemetery. Yeah. Mine is right kick, go, go into bed, left kick. Are you ready to get up, mate? Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Right, man. So there you go. That's what that's coming. No, um, I think it was forty-two and zero. He was actually over there to fight a Dutch guy at the weekend who didn't show up. Uh, the story. Over we, him. What? Over him? No, 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 no. A death. Harder man than that. No, Billy Van Ripwinkle. I think he said his name was oh, something right. like that. But uh, I, I need a, I need a favor while I have these questions up. Will you hop onto our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash severe MMA pod, and see if we got yeah. any questions there? We'd, oh, did you ask there to, for people to give questions? I think one. I got a message on my own Facebook <laughs> saying that one had been sent into it. Okay, so right, we'll, I'll, just, I'll just do that. Uh, we'll just check. I think it's only, unfortunately, Mister Podge wasn't even first. I think there's a, a relation. Uh, John Harker and Farrell Connolly both beat him for it. Um, first of all, Sean Farrell wants to know what were you cooking on your Snapchat story last week? Oh yeah, it I was looked cooking, tasty. Um, Cheese on what? No, yeah, it was. Potato, cheese, and ham. I made these little roasties, kind of, what would you call them? Potato cakes with cheese and ham. They're delicious. They did look lovely. I'm, I, you know I don't like complimented your culinary skills, mm-hmm. but they did look quite good. Yeah, they were nice. Will a win over Melendez get Barboza a title shot, or will he be victim to Team Khabib's good timing from one Mr. Podge? Yeah, I don't see it. Ferguson's going to be there before him as well, and Khabib, so no, I don't think so. Poor Barboza. Mm. Um, and then he has a couple of follow up ones that I'm just going to hit you with quick fire how odd is it Tito telling Connor to trust the UFC not everyone ends up like Chuck and Forrest the promoter is not your friend yeah I didn't it's know weird, Tito said anything yeah he did he said something like that alright but I think it was um, I think it's a thing of in the end it always works out badly kind of a job so yeah I think that's that's more or less than anything that was all. Um, yeah. What will Michael Bisping do if he doesn't get the winner of Rockhold Weidman? Weidman, even. <coughs> Jesus, I don't know. I, th- I, geez, I actually don't know. Maybe you're right, Hall, if he beats Anderson Silva or something like that. Ah, that would be a bit unfair on yeah. Bisping. Uh, Nick Diaz. I'm sure he's already booked against Gunnar Nelson. 
<laughs> oh god, I got some stick over that. Did you hear? Did you see those responses? No, I saw how many Jeez. retweets you got. I'm in favor of that, Sean. Me too. That's be fucking deadly fine. Don't but, get me oh. wrong. Like you stole it straight out of my tweet, but whatever. What? You what? never said. Who, who said that what? first? Man? What? What tweet did you send it in? I said Connor versus Nate, Gunner versus Nick, Queely versus whoever, SBG versus oh, Scrap like Pack. Like six months ago. Oh, come on, Andrew. These things don't work in perpetuity like that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said it after Connor lost. Did you? Ah, yeah, fair enough. But it was, yeah. Okay, it's a good idea. We'll, we'll, we'll share it. Members, even though my tweet got loads of retweets, so fuck you. <laughs> and mine didn't. I actually, <laughs> I, I had to go to the bathroom the other night and it annoyed me so much because when I came back, the fight had finished. It yeah. was the Strew fight. But I put up, a, I had a tweet ready to go saying, this, fi- this fight won't, so I took a screenshot of it. I was like, look guys, I was going to tweet this, so if you could just give me all the retweets and favourites I would have got for putting that on your timelines 10 minutes ago, it'd be appreciated. What about, what about my Stefan Shrew Big Cast tweet? Did you see that? No. Oh, you don't know Big Cast, or, I forgot, do you remember I was telling you about Inzo Amore? Like a few weeks ago, the new WWE guy that I, I think is brilliant. Yes. Um, he's... His partner in crime is big cast right this. He's seven foot tall, right? And he's his gimmick is that he says, And this right here, this is big cast and he's seven foot tall and you can't teach that, right? That's what he says. So my tweet was, And this right here, this is Stefan Struve and he's seven foot tall and you can't teach that. There you go. Did it bang? Like, it got a uh, sixty six favourites and thirty seven retweets. Oh. There you go. It kind of follows into our next question though, from Will Martin, friend of the podcast. What was different about Gunnar Nelson than before? Feel was he was he in a different mindset at all? And is Gunnar needing now to be just more consistent to get him up through the realms of a title shot? Yeah, I think I think we alluded earlier on. He was a little more. I don't know is it a headstrong the right word for it, but he kind of went forward. You know, he had you could see there was something, there was a glint in his eye. You know, he 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 knew he was going out winning that fight from the second he did it. And maybe before, you know, he was waiting for the fight to come to him, trying to be you know pick his moments, trying to pick his takedowns. But I think on Saturday he went out and made it happen. And if he can keep doing that, obviously I think the sky's the limit for him. Like Damian Maya is the, probably the toughest matchup you, you can get for a guy like uh, like Gunnar Nelson. You know, he's like if he fought Tyron Woodley, would you favor Tyron Woodley to beat him? I don't know. Would I? I think he, you know it'd be a close one. But I think I think Gunnar Nelson could probably win that. You know, Johnny Hendricks tough fight again, but it's fifty fifty. Neil Magny fifty fifty fight again. There's lots of fights there, guys in the top five, top ten that he could definitely win. So I think. You know, welterweight, like lightweight as well. Guys lose fights and maybe you kind of ride them off a little bit, but they're actually still really, really good because the people they're fighting are really, really good as well. So I think Gunnar Nelson is uh, maybe, you know, a little bit of that is happening for him, but yeah, I definitely think the sky is the limit for him. You've pretty much knocked out the rest of Mr. Podge's questions as well as Steve Doyle's um, saying, was Maya the worst possible matchup for Gunny in the top 6 to 15? Yeah, definitely. Apart from maybe Wonderboy. A question from Mark Fahey. Who do you think is going to have more title defences? Mighty Mouse Johnson or John Jones? Uh, it's a hard hmm. one when you have to think I, about it. Like, Yeah. I'd probably say Mighty Mouse. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think he's less, you know, he's going to get less injuries as a flyweight and going to be able to fight more. Uh, unless he goes up to bantamweight, but I don't think he is. And you could see Jones going up to, to heavyweight as well. And Jones likes to fight less as well. Jones always says he only likes to fight like you know two fights a year at most. 
So yeah, I'd, I'd say um, DJ. Um, Aidan Gilroy wanted to know if I would beat Floyd Mayweather in a straight up fight. Yes, of course I would. Don't be silly. But if you were a wrestler, what would your finishing move be called, Sean? Might it be called the SOS? Why? Sean O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, oh, I thought you meant like my sending out. No, my nickname would be like someone with O. And I'm looking for a nickname actually, starting with O, so I can be called SOS. It's like Sean, the, the orthopedic surgeon or something. Or the orthop- orthopedic, no, I don't know, something like that. My um, my mate had a massive uh, issue with Clay Guida being called the carpenter because he called Connell the carpenter. McKeever sounded better. Mm, that is a good one, in fairness. Um, Sugar Sean Sheehan is going to be a good one for me. Sugar Sean Sheehan is one that yeah. I like, I have to say. I'm not going to... I, I what would your finisher be called? Probably the chode. What's that? What? Google chode. Oh no! <laughs> and it's it's the same reason. I w- yeah, C H O D E. The reason I was thinking of it is because <laughs> the reason that I was doing it is because you always laugh at me saying "gi" or "no gi." Yeah. So I was like, "How funny would it be if a commentator was actually able to say he's giving him the chode?" I've never heard that before. Here comes the chode. Oh, oh he's hit him with another chode. You can buy a t-shirt here that says, I love chode. Oh, well then. There you go. I think you'll be the sort of guy who hit the, what's it called, the 520 shooting star press kind of job. Like Evan Bourne. That's where I see you. I, I would definitely be a bit of a luchador. Do you know? <laughs> yeah. I could take the spots. I could do the bumps. I could do whatever needed. But uh, look, as I said, work in progress. I'm going to get go. there one day. Um, Team Cleo, yes, I did enjoy Charmaine Durandamy and Anna Elmos. The tune-ups are the equivalent of putting Sean in goal on a Ronaldo penalty. I'm a fucking unbelievable goalkeeper. I take up half the fucking goal, sure. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Sean. No chill. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what everyone was thinking like come on what is next for Stefan Struve and how good can Rustam Kalibov get from the Irish Cairn Kalibov uh, sorry I don't think Rustam Kalibov is going to be that good he's good he's very good but I don't think he'll ever be champion but uh, maybe he could have a, a Rafael Dos Anjos type of a, a come up you know maybe but uh, not at the moment I don't think so he's very good definitely top top 10 talent um, next for Struve if Frank Mir doesn't hire, maybe him, maybe Ryan Nelson. I think Ryan Nelson. Oh, Ryan Nelson's fighting uh, that the Black Beast, didn't he? Uh, so there's a lot of you know one of those one of those Russian dudes as well. You could see through fighting if there's like a card and maybe if there's a Russian card or something like that. Best friend of the podcast, Cape May Irish John Harker would like to know how would Schwab be doing in the heavyweight division if he hadn't retired? Gunny mistreated not to be ranked despite one and two before the last fight. Mm. I don't know if that's yeah. a follow up into another one, but we'll talk about Schwab. I don't think Schwab would. You know, if you look between like 10, Ryan Nelson, Frank Muir, uh, Silva, Lewis, Magomedov, Olenik, he's around there, I think. He's in, he should be in with him. Like, would he be Bigfoot Silva now? I think he probably would. Would he, he bring Frank Muir? Probably would. Yeah, I think he's he, you know he's a top fifteen guy in, in that division. It's a pity actually he had to retire because you know he is a younger kind of guy and and um, he could have done the work, but 
He's too busy doing a podcast. Oh, don't we know, Andrew? Sure, what? sure look, I, I can barely get yeah. a moment to myself with Professional this podcast. two it hour a week. Like, it no, it's it not. They, do, they, they only see our fame, Sean. Yeah. They know our names, not our stories. You don't see those four WhatsApp messages a week it takes to go into this podcast. No, you really you don't. You really don't. And for you to sit there and talk about it is just, oh, yeah. you turn my stomach. Yeah. Keyboard oh, warriors. Oh, <laughs> trolls. Back under your bridge. <laughs> years years of talking shit about it we may have to get to where we are today Keen O'Connell would like to know how would you describe Neil Seary's chin what is it made of iron granite teak doesn't quite describe it accurately enough hashtag unreal I have a um, bit of an over excessive hashtag there Keen but let it slide for now I have a I have a song to describe it can I play it um, yes you can I don't know if it'll come on you won't be able to hear it now but I'll forward to the bit where you're there can't hear anything you hear it hold on oh very good it just took you a while don't worry though people won't realise that because I'll have edited it out Sweet. But I'll keep the bit about editing it out in so they'll know that I was sitting there for about a minute while you were pulling up Sia's titanium on your fucking phone. I fucking love Sia. Great I love Sia. She's my favourite. She's fucking brilliant. Yeah, she's some singer. Um, Aiden O'Connor. One more. No, we've a couple more. more. We've a couple more, sorry. If Anderson Silva loses this weekend... Oh, go on. Hold on. Guess how many views Titanium by David Guetta and Sia has on YouTube? 419 million. Jeez, that was close enough. 561. Oh, Fuck very good. Hell. How much money do they make out of that? Quite a lot. <laughs> Fucking hell. If Anderson Silva loses this weekend to Uriah Hall, will that be the last fight of his illustrious career from Aidan O'Connor? I'd be very surprised if it was. What are your thoughts on Ronda and Paige's argument? Does it show Ronda's insecurities from Karen O'Flynn? <laughs> It's hilarious. It it's actually like picking on picking on the girl who's doing quite yeah. well for herself, isn't it? Like, yeah, uh, like Paige has been around for a good bit as well. Like, it's not like as if she just came out of nowhere. She fought like on smaller shows and so I know she hasn't that many that many fights and stuff. But I think Misha Tate on um, on Joe Rogan's podcast kind of really showed up what sort of person Ronda is. Maybe like she was really nice and stuff, and the way she was. Saying it was kind of, you know, okay, she it's obvious she doesn't like Rhonda, but um, the way she was saying it was like, oh, thank God other people are kind of realising what she's been like to me all along. Um, but it's, I think people kind of realise that during tough too, you know, it's very hard very hard to hide it. And it's the same with Joanna, I think. People are realising that she's, you know, maybe not the nicest person in the world. Claudia Gadelia seems to be winning all those exchanges there and she seems to be kind of outsmarting her and being a little bit, you know, kind of a nicer person than her a lot of the time. That's a very nice thing to say. Yeah, but I'd, it's kind of a shot at Joanne and Sam. I remember Matt Hughes at that years ago as well. One of those tough, tough seasons. Like everyone, like thought Matt Hughes was the shit, and then he went on tough, and, and then, then was like, exposed. Oh, yeah. he's a bit of a dickhead. Yeah, exactly. Well, reading his autobiography, like more than one chapter, would have given that away for you. But I definitely <laughs> recommend looking up the why Matt Hughes is a bad human sort of forum threads oh, that were doing Sean, the round. Uh, was it Sean uh, McCarkle that did it with his book? It was his book, I think, wasn't it? He did a review on the UG. I think it was his. I think it was, yeah. 
I don't, Chuck Liddell's book is fucking hilarious. The stories he has, like going out with loads, you know, bringing loads of women back. Exactly. The, 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 so I tell the night before fucking Randy Couture fights and stuff like that. What a man. Unreal. Sean, your brother wants to know Patrick Sheehan. Pat Sheehan, Who's one, two, three. <laughs> if you could make a fight between any two teammates in MMA, who would you choose? Oh, He's obviously looking good. to call you out, I hear. I'd be the shit out of him. See that World Series fighter actually having two brothers fighting against each other? No way. Fodor brothers. You know that dude that was uh, Phoenix Jones? You know, he was like the crime fighter there last year. That's an MMA fighter. He's going to fight in his brother. Yeah. I'd have... Um, I suppose the easy one to say is Ken Velasquez against Daniel Carmia. Um, but let me think if there's another one. Um, do you know who I'd like to see fighting? Chad Mendes against Uriah Faber. I'd like that fight. Chad Mendes fight. and Uriah Faber? Yeah. Do you want to know my one? Go on. Dylan Took versus James Gallagher. Oh. I look, I had to go domestic. I was thinking, yeah, like, I'll I'd, I'll talk, yeah. it's like, I don't, like... For me, as I said earlier on, talking about a teammate fighting each other, like it means nothing. Those guys are the other side of the world. Do you know what I mean? At a big commercial gym where people can come and go. These are two That's guys true. in the same gym. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I would love to imagine the sparring sessions that some of these guys in SBG have with each other. Or Team Rhino. I'd love to see Hugh O'Rourke fight Neil Seary. Just for the laugh. Like That would be perfect. I'd love to see Paul Redmond fight Patrick Wixted, like Just to actually see. Because... Like, no bad blood, like, because they are, like, all of these guys are tight, like, you know, they're, I know yeah. Pat and uh, Pat and Paul get on very, very well, like, but, you know, people want to watch fights, and a part of just, just wants, sport, to, yeah, yeah, just want to see it happen, like, just to see what would happen, that's all. Nick, Nate, Nate Diaz against Gilbert Menendez would be a good fight as well. Yeah, or Nate versus Nick. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be the best brother versus brother fight you could put on. Um, I was looking at a question there but it seemed to have uh, disappeared but I'm not going to lie Sean an hour and four, an hour and 50 minutes pretty much in the bank here One twenty-five in the morning I am going to go for one more if that's okay I, well, I was looking for one I've lost it someone sent me a message on Facebook I'm going to have to pull that up I, next week we are going to answer a lot more questions it seems like we get through a lot of the questions in the podcast yeah. in the podcast um, I Ian Thornton I mentioned it was horrible they made Michael Chiesa fly the whole way around the world to announce that he was fighting Tony Ferguson and subsequently lose to him we've covered that um, should Arlovsky be used as a gatekeeper for the top 5 from Sean Denny maybe he should I don't think he has another run in the title at him anyway but we'll, uh, we'll see what happens for him in the UFC to finish off Sean yeah. your good friend Jiu Jitsu Master Keith Cav MMA UFC 210 Wonderboy versus Nick Diaz for the welterweight title. Yeah. How does this fight go down in your expert opinion? Badly for Nick Diaz. Badly for Wonderboy. We'll see you next. No, <laughs> go on. No, 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 no. Oh, come on, Nick. Nick Diaz is not taking him down. His wrestling's not good enough. If you got him on the ground, fair enough. His jiu-jitsu will probably be good enough. Ninja but, uh, shit. It'd be, be hard to happen. Ninja shit. I think Wonderboy would probably kick him in his head. Oh, well then... That's a bit, mm-hmm. uh, bit off. I have to say, though, I was about to break into a song there, Go but on. I just thought of an even oh, better one. Boy. No, no, no. Do you remember the bear in the big blue house? Yeah. Do you know the... The, the blues away. No, do you, know the, do you know the last song in it? Oh, no, that's fucking... 
I'm singing Fraggle Rock there. Yeah, goodbye, go on. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Good friends, goodbye. Cause tomorrow, just like today, the moon. You're then meant to go today. I'm pretty sure we did this once in the podcast, the like moon, the second podcast ever. The bear and the, and the big blue, blue house have been waiting for you to come and play. To come and play. Yeah, I think we Very have actually. Soon I know. We have actually. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to get in touch with us over the next 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year, we check our phones all the time. We have absolutely yeah. nothing better to be at. No lives. No lives at all. At Andrew McGann underscore. All on I do Twitter. is listen to Sia and watch MMA fights. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. He is at Sean Sheehan BA. Our oh. overlord, Graham, is at Sever Emma, at Pizzi oh. Carroll, at David GBD. Double oh. thumbs down for that. But um, please get in touch, get in contact. We absolutely love getting feedback from people, it makes our day. Um, go find us on YouTube go find us on Instagram go find us on Facebook Sean what about my absolutely stellar game on the Instagram this weekend it's very, it was I, have, I have a bone to pick with you actually I have a oh, bone no. to pick with you go on you haven't liked my Facebook page yeah oh yeah no I won't either why because you're a like page here of course we've been over this I'm not going to oh, like it come on you have no, to like no, my no. like page I, I put up stuff by you all like the time you're a some prick. <laughs> oh well, the boycott, the severe MMA oh. podcast boycott, episode sixty-seven. I still haven't liked it. We will see how quickly it takes for Rome to fall. Prick. See you next week.